This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, friends. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your life coach, your guide on this side. Top of the morning to you. Hey, it's Friday. Friday. We made it through the week. And we did it together. Isn't that so exciting? You made it. So be you got to be getting ready for the weekend uh, on the show today. In fact, later, about hour number three, we'll be talking about upcoming movies that are going to be released. And we'll get to those, of course, so that you can get ready for the, the fun festivities with your family. Also, um, we're going to be talking, of course, politics. You may have heard that uh, Ted Cruz, he's been outed as Spawn of Darkness. <laughs> We'll get to, uh, uh, you know, some, I don't know, pretty offensive remarks coming out of um, past Speaker of the House Boehner's uh, mouth. We'll get to those. But first, also, we, we, we're going to be covering in this very first hour the divide between spirituality and science, right? So can they go together? Can your brain handle kind of a spiritual view, a morality kind of focused view of life and a scientific methodology of life? Do the two go together? Well, our first guest in the first hour, Dr. Anthony Jack, is going to be talking to us about it might be our brain that really struggles with it. Independently, those two things, can, they're beautiful things. Maybe there's ways to work around the brain to make sure we can uh, actually get the science and the faith involved in our lives. We'll talk about that with Dr. Anthony Jack in just a few minutes. But before we get there, let's get to Katie Jarvis and the news. Katie, what's going on around the rest of the country? Well, protests turned violent at a Donald Trump rally last night. As many 20 people were arrested when the street protests turned more violent at a rally for the Republican presidential candidate in Costa Mesa, California. Video footage shows protesters throwing objects while another stomps out a police car's windows. Others slashed police car tires and tried to overturn other vehicles. Hundreds of the demonstrators swarmed the intersection outside the Pacific Amphitheater and blocked traffic. The Orange County Sheriff's Department deployed 200 officers, some in riot gear and on horseback, to push back the crowds. A suspicious powder was mailed to Donald Trump, but it turned out to be non-lethal. Five staff members and a police officer were being evaluated after the suspicious powder was discovered inside an envelope in the mailroom of New York's Trump Tower. The envelope was mailed to Donald Trump's campaign office. The substance was determined to be non-hazardous, but officials are still testing it to find out exactly what it is. It hasn't been disclosed if there was also a letter in the envelope. The incident just comes a month after an envelope containing a non-hazardous white powder and a threatening letter was sent to Donald Trump's son, Eric. And the family of the San Bernardino shooter has been arrested. The brother of the terrorist, Saeed Farouk, was arrested during searches yesterday, and his bro- the, the brother's wife and her sister were also arrested. The United States Attorney's Office said in a statement that the three were charged with federal conspiracy, marriage fraud, and giving false statements. And the FDA has approved its first commercial Zika test. The Food and Drug Administration granted emergency use authorization for the test. The test uses the same method the government labs use to identify the virus in a patient's blood. However, the test only works on a person who is currently infected and can't detect evidence of past infections. The new test costs around $500 and can give doctors results in three to five days. 
And a man in a panda suit was shot after a bomb threat. Baltimore police say they shot and wounded the man in the past panda costume after he threatened to blow up a local television station with a device that was discovered to be chocolate bars wrapped in aluminum foil. The 25-year-old man entered Fox 45 Studios with an object strapped to his chest that he claimed was a bomb. He then demanded that the station air some government conspiracy propaganda he had made. The report also set his he reportedly also set his car on fire outside the building before he came in. Police responded to the scene. Shots were fired as he exited the building. He was shot, taken to the hospital where he is in stable condition. He's expected to survive. Whoa. That guy, he totally, he totally committed. All the Bur- way. When, once you burn the car, don the, be- the panda suit and grab the candy bars. Mm-hmm. He even had a whole, uh, what was it, like a manifesto basically to, to have uh, – the, the news read. Wow. I think he probably thought the panda being extinct would not – he wouldn't get shot at. <laughs> Didn't work. Oh, that's tragic. Poor guy. I mean, like, really, he needs help, right? Serious help. Serious I mean, this help. Is, I mean, it, this isn't a joke. It's a sad deal. <laughs> yeah. Sad deal. Well, thank you. Appreciate that, uh, that great work, Katie. And, uh, hey, you're leaving soon. Tuesday. Oh, my heavens. Good luck. Thank you. We'll see you in two months. <laughs> Katie's going to London to hang out. Just to hang out. Not a big deal. You know, spoonful of sugar. She's going to be a nanny over in London. (laughs) Watch out for those chimney sweeps. They're horrible. Hey, great show for you today. Today, by the way, uh, Hairball Awareness Day. This is the day. Ben, you all right, Ben? You all right? Yeah, I'm I'm good. This is the day that we we want you to just... Oh, sorry. Wow. Ben? Just, Just cough it up, dude. This is for the cat, Ben, not for people. It's the preventative, you know, measure. You got to learn to be paying attention to your cats. Brush them, take care of them, and they'll have fewer hairballs. And if Ben would just do a self-grooming at home, yeah, not at the office, we wouldn't have to deal with the coughing. Have you noticed that he doesn't have hair on his arms anymore? Yeah, over-grooming. Weird. Yeah, weird. Weird. National Hairball Awareness Day. It's also um, another great day, Zipper Day. My favorite day of the year. Wow. Wow. It's quite a few zippers. That's a huge zipper. (laughs) It just keeps going and going. The zipper that keeps going. I think I'm the only one with a zipper today. No, you have a zipper. I have a zipper. Okay. Yeah. Let's just let that go now. 1913, Swedish-American scientist (laughs) and inventor Gideon Sundbeck received a patent for a curious contraption he called hookless fastener. Yeah. I'm glad they called it the zipper because yeah, the hookless fastener. That'd be difficult to say all the time. Yeah, and isn't zipper we, – we talked about zipper the other day. Flipper is the, the good dolphin and zipper was the nasty, yeah. snarly kind of evil The evil dog, alter dolphin. ego dolphin, mm-hmm. yeah. It's also International Dance Day, hmm. which is why I'm dressed in these dancing leggings because I will be doing the tango in hour number two of the show. Okay. Looking forward to that, said nobody. That's why we need a television show because uh, my dance will pretty much be useless on the radio. Yeah. Tragic. Someday we'll get a show where you could actually see me dance. I, I do know Terry appreciates it a lot. Oh, totally. Yeah. Mm. It makes him emotional. Mm. Just like those cat videos. Mm-hmm. Did you uh, happen to catch... Um, John Boehner, he's kind of back in the news. Yes. In a 
positive way. Yeah, it was interesting. Um, Boehner is a uh, you know past Speaker of the House, and he he bailed out earlier than uh, you know before his term had ended. He jumped out, which caused the whole Paul Ryan. Yeah, Paul Ryan, you need to come. You know, you need to come be the speaker issue. Do you remember all that? Well, Speaker Boehner um, was asked to comment on Ted Cruz. Now, now Boehner has a has kind of a Twitter relationship with Donald Trump. They tweet back and forth. The former Speaker of the House, John Boehner, really, 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 really does not like Ted Cruz. Doesn't like him because do you remember the whole House shutdown or the the shutdown of the government? That was Ted Cruz and Boehner kind of going head to head. Um, well, during a during a candid talk at Stanford University, Boehner unloaded on the Republican senator and the presidential hopeful, comparing him to the devil, basically. So, so here's what Speaker Speaker Boehner said. It's also about, by the way, the soul of our party. Oops, As I said, wrong one. That is obviously not John Boehner. But basically what he said is he said uh, – he said Ted Cruz in so many words, so many of the words we won't use, is Lucifer in the flesh. I have Democratic friends and Republican friends. I get along with almost everyone, but I have never worked with a more miserable blankety-blank in my life. So it's, it's really John Boehner unhinged. John Boehner is – he's just laying it out. And many are, are saying, well – you know, what are you just pro? Are you just pro Trump now? Is this what it is? And he he basically said he'd vote for Trump, but it's really that he just doesn't like Cruz. But he is also texting buddies with Trump, which is what Cruz's team is saying. You know, don't don't listen to him. Don't listen to what people are saying. I am not Lucifer. He said. <laughs> Let me just tell you, I think your campaign is in trouble the minute you've got to, like, dissuade people from believing that you you're Lucifer. You have to send out a press release that says, I am not Lucifer in the flesh. Let's be, let's be clear here. I am not the spawn of darkness. Isn't that just – just when you thought this couldn't get stranger, this is like – it just keeps happening. One thing after another. So – that that fiasco is going on, and then interesting. It even made it all the way to the White House press secretary. We're loading some audio about that. That is, it's just going to blow your mind. I mean, now the White House press secretary has to comment on it. Yeah, Trump's people are commenting on it. Cruz is trying to show video, you know, video from probably him being faithful. And anyway. What do you do? Crazy news. And then uh, another kind of uh, outbreak and um, major protesting going on in California. Trump was in California to a huge or a huge group he was speaking to. And there were also protests going on. They destroyed a police car, broke out the windows of a police car, were stomping on top of it. Major, major uh, protest. And um, what do you do? I mean, this is this is going to get really serious if Trump does become the nominee and it's Trump Clinton. And by the way, Trump's uh, people are also saying if we do get to a Trump Clinton race, he's all things are on the table. We will discuss everything, everything from the past. If they're going to be pro 
women and, and argue that, then we'll argue the stance that they didn't show it when they were in office. Yeah. So anyway, let's uh, let's get to – let me just let you hear that the Speaker Boehner talking about Ted Cruz. So how about saying you're a man some of the other people running for the highest office? How about Ted Cruz? <laughs> <laughs> Lucifer in the flesh. <laughs> so um, isn't that – I mean, he was careful about it, right? Lucifer in the flesh. Now then, we also have to hear what Cruz said about the whole incident. And Cruz was um, – he fires back, right? You, you got to respond to the Lucifer comment. John Boehner had some interesting comments last night. He actually didn't abbreviate what he said. He was a little bit more uh, – he, he allowed his inner Trump to come out. Lucifer in the flesh. Uh, well, there was that too. But the interesting thing is he said that I've ever worked with. I've never worked with John Boehner. Truth of the matter is, I don't know the man. I've met John Boehner two or three times in my life. If I have said 50 words in my life to John Boehner, I'd be surprised. And every one of them has consisted of pleasantries. Good to see you, Mr. Speaker. I've never had any substantive conversation with John Boehner in any respect. Mm. Truth of the matter is, I've never worked with anyone in Congress. (laughs) That's an interesting little take. He, He hardly knows the guy. 50... Words he said to him. Now, Cruz was in the Senate. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and Boehner was the House Speaker. Right. So you could say maybe they passed each other in the hallways. There wasn't a interaction, any sort of you know, cooperation that way as they're working in the different uh, wings of Congress. But yeah. what? the Seattle, uh, is it Seattle Times? That's the paper up there. They have an article that uh, I saw. It was at Gawker Media had it uh, from 1998 where Ted Cruz was acting as the attorney for John Boehner in some uh, disagreement over campaign funds. Oh, really? And so there's this quote where Ted Cruz is like, he's talking about Boehner and how he's innocent and the, the charges brought up against him from other you know fellow House members are, yeah. are inconsequential or something of that fact. And you're, he's sitting there saying he doesn't know the man, but he was his lawyer at one point. Yeah, you represented the man. Yeah. <laughs> it's like oh, oh, oh. well, and it makes you wonder why would John Boehner ever hire Lucifer? Right, and on another point, it's crazy. The, That's uh, just bad judgment. Yeah, a, a group of people who are, uh, I, I guess they Satanist. You could call them. They're yeah. they're distancing themselves from yeah. uh, from Ted Cruz. <laughs> they're saying they're more accepting than Ted Cruz would ever. He be. is not affiliated with us. <laughs> that is crazy. <laughs> what is happening to this election? Now you've even got the people from the dark side or yeah. whatever saying, yeah, no, 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 no. He does not represent our people. <laughs> Holy cow. It is a crazy world, folks. And this is your presidential election. Donald Trump's over there laughing. In fact, do you have, uh, do you have Donald Trump's um, – or Josh, let's get to the White House. Now the White House has to comment. Josh Ernest was asked about it. Uh, let's hear that clip. Obviously uh- – uh, Speaker Boehner was speaking based on his own experience, and um, uh, I'm not sure what, that he was trying to do. I, I don't know that he was looking to be helpful or harmful. I think he was just looking to be honest about his own view. <laughs> what? Well, it seems like it was pretty obvious it was harmful. Well, it seemed like an odd question to ask the White House yeah. press secretary. He's like, that's 
you know, between those two, why? It's like, why, oh, yeah. And he goes, if you want to have me defend one Republican going after another Republican, this is really the, the venue for that. Yeah, I'd actually like to stay out of it. I'm not, I don't know, I don't know if his intent was, uh, was to hurt Cruz or to help Cruz. I think he was just stating a fact that Cruz is the spawn of darkness. Now, the Stanford student newspaper. Yeah. Their website. Which was where this all came from. Had this story, and they had their highest traffic day oh, ever, I think. They just They used to get like 12,000. They had like a 200,000 hit day. It was, <laughs> it was insane. They got my, my business. I went there and checked out the stories. So. Oh, it's just crazy. What is going to happen next, for heaven's sakes? What is going to happen next? Anyway, interesting. We will take a break, though. we got to come back. Dr. Uh, Anthony Jack's going to be joining us. He is a professor from Case Western Reserve University and has been doing some research about scientific and spiritual approaches in life. You know, some people just are inherently spiritual. They just they just they have a very moral, strong moral ethic and code. They run their life that way. Others are just much more kind of intellectual about it. They need the data. They need the facts. And they, they run by you know, the, the data. Well, can those two worlds work together? Can you be, you know, scientific in your approach and spiritual? Interesting stuff. We'll talk about it and some of the latest research from Dr. Anthony Jack. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your life coach. Hey, in the uh, coach's corner today, uh, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about um, some uh, an article we've been reading and, and working on and, fi- and learning about, basically, that science and spirituality, do the two go together? One of the things that, uh, that I do a lot with um, when I'm off the air is I work with couples who need to figure out how to solve problems, right? And I've found that uh, many times we come to this weird place in a conversation with somebody that we care about. You know, it's an important discussion. Maybe it's about our children, how we discipline our kids or our budget. And think about it. You do it every day. You have tension. You have issues that you need to talk to the people around you every day, right? And um, when it gets hard... One of the things I found uh, that might be causing some of the strain or some of the difficulty is when we absolutely feel secure and confident, like so strong and confident about something that uh, we fight from our confidence level and we, we – a lot of times we'll just run over people. We'll, we'll you know, dominate the conversation. We might name call. We become mean. We become brutal. And as I work with these couples, I found that many times when somebody is coming off way, way confident, a lot of times they're not even in their thinking brain. They're in their reactive brain. They are in their fight or flight, you're going to die or else brain. And we get in there and think about it. We've talked about it on the show a lot about that fight or flight brain that when when all of a sudden it fires and your body for some reason feels like you're being threatened, that you're being diminished, that you're going to lose position or ground or hierarchy, anytime your brain thinks you're shrinking in power, then it's a threat. So what we tend to do is we tend to amp up with chemistry. 
I call that being hijacked or jacked up. I love telling my clients, man, you are jacked up. But what happens to us is we begin, we begin to become almost myopic in our thinking, right? And you do it, I do it, and we argue a point as if it's a fact when many times it's just an opinion. Now, here's the dilemma. How am I supposed to open up my brain to allow more information in, be more open, more available, more willing to learn if I'm already chemically charged to just crush you, right? And it happens just all of the time, watching the news. Do you ever sit and watch the, the news and see even the Trump protest last night? And you start to have a, a visceral reaction to it. Yeah, well, man, if they wish they could get inside the Trump meetings instead of outside protesting, they, I mean – All of a sudden, you have this visceral reaction, and we start to fight for our position. And we're fighting for our position not because it's ethical, per se. We might have an ethical argument, but I'm pretty sure if you were using your ethical argument, you wouldn't say that violence is then the way to fix it, right? Because that would actually seemingly go against your ethics. When we have that chemical reaction, we are not in a position – to talk. We don't want more information. We want to either fight somebody, run and flee, or we're just stuck in the like a deer in the headlights. Do you experience this? That to me, that hijacking of chemistry is what's killing all of us. And it's a natural process. And many times people will argue it's logical It's logical. What? Am I just supposed to stand by and let Trump ruin the country? Or am I just supposed to stand by and let protesters destroy property just to be against Trump? No, I've got to go fight them. Logical. All your buddies be like, fight him. The problem is if we don't turn off that just reactive kind of natural man fight or flight mentality – it is the cause of most of our biggest problems on this earth. It is, it is what's killing us. It is the cause of the bullying that happens in our schools. It is the cause of the bullying that happens online. It's the cause of the disparity and the discrepancy uh, where we can't even hear another person's point of view because it's so – we're so sick of hearing their point of view. It's the problem between the right and the left. This isn't just a battle of ideas. The battle is the battle of chemistry. And once that chemistry fires, we're in trouble. Because the minute it fires, it creates major problems for all of us. Because we feel like we're right. And in my program, I teach that that's a concept called logical force. Once um, our brain fires, we use our logic to convince our fight-or-flight brain and to basically kind of buoy up our argument that this is okay to do. It's okay to be a jerk to someone down the street because they they said something mean to your daughter. It's okay to ignore your spouse or it's okay to, um, you know, 
talk to other people at work about your spouse because your spouse isn't into you enough. That seems logical, right? The problem with logical force, though, is many times it's not moral. Many times what you think is logical when your brain is firing and ready to go crush somebody, (laughs) what is logical is not moral. You don't want at your funeral that everybody is talking about how rude you were to the neighbor and how – what I, what I miss most about grandpa is how grandpa never talked to his neighbor for 44 years because when they were, when they were 18, that neighbor, you know, kissed his girlfriend. I miss grandpa. You're not going to – that's not how you want to go down, is it? Is that how you want to go down in history? Is this the guy that held a 44-year grudge? Well, what? Well, what, what am I supposed to do? Just let a jerk like that into my life? See how logical that sounds? Well, no, of course not. But you don't need to let a jerk or a person that kissed your girlfriend when you were 18. You don't have to let him into your life. But you also don't have to have a feud with him for 44 years. See, there's a difference between logic and morality. And why I differentiate is that even if it's logical for you to go protest somebody that you don't like. I get that. That's pure logical. That's beautiful. The problem is if it breaks down into immorality where you start doing something that's not moral, then in the end, you're the one that pays because you're the one that's doing the immoral thing. Well, yeah, but I'm just fighting immorality with immorality. (laughs) Exactly. And it won't work. You have to fight something that you don't agree with, something that you don't like, with moral means, not immoral means. Two wrongs don't make a right, right? So you have to have some moral compass. Oh, look at you on your high horse. No. Don't know what else to say. But I think it's a big battle that we have in life anyway because – It doesn't have to just be spirituality and morality or, you know, objective data. The reality of life is we have to have a complex solution to be able to do both. There is a way that your morality and spirituality can totally jive and should totally jive with what's going on in life, right? You've got to be able to find a way where spiritually you can connect and understand what science is proving and showing. They can go together. They can go together. You just have to figure out how, which seems like the perfect route that we all need to use to maybe, if you're spiritual, exercise your faith. And if you're supposedly scientific and objective, then, then don't be so biased. The problem with, with life, and we see it right now with religious freedom, uh, everybody is, you know, all, so many people are fighting for religious freedom, the rights of religions and, and churches and, and people to be able to have a right to their conscience. But simultaneously, uh, you have other people that 
that don't think you should have that right. And those people that think that are really pushing back on religious freedom are the ones that were oppressed for years by a lack of freedom or a lack of openness by religions, let's say. Isn't that crazy? Is it logical? Sure, it's logical to want to do whatever. But the reality is, is is it moral? Is it moral? In the end, the morality has got to be there, right? Because that's what's going to create your peace for you. If you don't have that, you're not going to have the peace. You won't have it, friends. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll take a break. Come right back. Continue uh, learning, doing what we can to give you the tools in life and help you find the good in the world. We'll be right back. To the Matt Townsend Show. Today we uh, we're talking about you know your choices. You got a lot of choices you got to make, and there's a, there's a variety of ways that uh, we could be making them. Today also Arbor Day. I, I've got to throw that out there for all you you know plant a tree today. You got to get a tree in the ground. Is that what it's about? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. What would you think it was about? I thought it was like about ports and harbors and. It's not Harbor Day. It's Arbor Day. What does that have to do with trees? Arboretum. Uh, Latin root, uh, Greek derivative of the word arborovitch, which means arbor, which means tree, which means something that blossoms and brings oxygen to the world. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Arbor Day. Um. Crazy time. Hey, uh, FEC, the Federal Election Commission, is all over Representative Duncan Hunter from San Diego (laughs) for uh, use of campaign funds to pay for video games on 68 separate occasions. Something the congressman is attributing to a mistake by his son. How many times have you ever looked at your phone bill or your cell phone bill and you've seen all these charges run up? Yeah. He's blaming his son. His hunter listed $1,302 worth of Steam game expenses on his campaign finance disclosure form for 2015 year end. (sighs) Apparently his son has been playing some video games. And now, boom, booyah. The son, the, the, just all the charges went right on the credit card. Dad didn't know about it. And those credit cards were then just put on the FEC forms for reimbursement, right? You know, now, unless, you know, Representative Duncan has got, Duncan Hunter has got something going on with video games. But it tells you, even your national representatives, they, you know, they have kids too that are out of control. Unless it's the congressman who's playing video games. What have you been doing, Duncan, with your time? <laughs> His son's like, Dad, don't blame me for that. It's totally you. It's totally you. Um, anyway, crazy, crazy stuff. So if you thought parenting was hard, you know, just recognize that even the people in Congress struggle having time to talk to their kids. Enough, yeah. Probably. 
What else is going on? NFL draft last night. Draft? Did you watch any of it? No. Yeah. I watched a couple picks, and then after a while, you're like, I don't want to hear people speculate forever. I told my kids, hey, you guys, the draft is on. Do you guys want to watch that? And all my kids are like, why? Huh? No. Don't you want to see who's going to be the next millionaire? (laughs) That's what it is. It really is. For the first 20, I guess. Any anything new? Any well interesting news? The uh, the first pick was a lot of intrigue because the LA Rams they traded multiple picks this draft and yeah. years down the road to get the number one pick to get numero uno. They just moved from St. Louis to Los Angeles. They're trying to have a huge media punch in that area. So they a lot of interest, a lot of people coming into so their they, games. They got rid of they they pay they use the money from or the the drafts from a few years from now to get the best draft today yes and they picked up a quarterback from university of california okay that's handy the cow bears his name's jared goff he's yeah. an okay quarterback just... he was i heard he was 14 and 23 all time as a quarterback in wow. college which 14 wins 14 wins 23 losses seems like not a great record now, now he, he he when it comes to his quarterbacking skills they are Above par. They're pretty good. Yeah. I don't know if he's the type of player you trade your draft away to, yeah. to get, but they did. So we'll see what happens. Well, this isn't because he could be big or just Ryan Leaf. Yeah. And usually the odds are that you're not necessarily going to be a Hall of Famer because that's right. kind of rare. But mm-hmm. So they did that. Uh, also, along the way, a, a man named uh, Laramie Tunsil. Mm-hmm. He is a, a player from, I believe, Mississippi. And he was supposed to be possibly a number one pick or, oh, really? a, or a top five at yeah. least. And um, things happened to him. There was a problem where somebody, as he said, hacked his social media, which yeah. is always the excuse that happens when yeah. things ha- get posted to your social media that you don't want there. Right. There was some video of him, you know, looks as if he was doing some drugs. Oh, boy. So. That goes to character. Okay. That goes to judgment. On the day of the draft, this happened? Yeah. Oh, that's bad. So that ended up, I think that was on Twitter. And then there was another conversation between him and an assistant athletic director on Instagram as to who would be paying for his mother's rent. Wow. You're not supposed to... Yeah, college athletes aren't supposed to take money. Yeah, no. Again, another judgment question... No. Issue. Uh, college athlete's mother also apparently not supposed to take money? Yeah, you're not supposed to get kickbacks from How about from grandparents? Can college no, players' grandparents? No, you're, you're really not supposed to be taking wow. money in the form of cash in that yeah. way. So both of those things combined to have this gentleman drop from a top five pick to 13th overall. Wow. Which you may think, that's, yeah, not, that's not a big deal. Is that deal. bad? I mean, that's I, he's still He probably rounder. went from making about $25 million, signing a $25 million contract to a $13 million contract. So half. Oh, you know, I'd take either. Well, either, but I mean, yeah, his earning potential was it. allegedly cut by half. If the reports I read were, do you accurate. think the teams? Because it's probably so. Some team you're thinking then chose not to go Several. with him. Maybe p- perhaps four or five decided to skip him. Yeah, we don't need that. Yeah, and wow. so by doing so, uh, the speculation was that he, if he finds out who was, if it was indeed hacked, and it wasn't just he posted something because he's a goofy college kid. Yeah. Um, then there could be the possibility of litigation. Oh, boy. Because there, you can prove you, yeah. if you're like a number two pick, you make this much money. If you're the 13th pick, you make this much money. But What's who, the difference? Who would he get the money from? Whoever hacked his account. One of his buddies? Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's like some college <laughs> One of his kid. entourage? So it's just there's some uh, 
that's he, hard. He took a huge that's financial hard. hit off two social media posts last night. Yeah, and he could easily blow a knee in the first year and never have money again. Very well. So that's, but this comes just days after Johnny Manziel. Yeah. And all the problems Cleveland had with him. <sighs> and he gets, you know, who indicted the other day. Cleveland. Cleveland oh, this, did this, pick him. this yeah. guy. I can't remember who he was actually selected by. That's just sad. I mean, the day you're about to hit big, the big money. Oh, apparently he fell to the Miami Dolphins at 13. Hmm. So Boy, that's a good place to go. There you go. Go play in Miami. Go play on the beach. Go lay out. Uh, speaking of beaches, do you remember our famous story about the whale? Oh, yeah. Like, it's he, back. In San Diego? Yeah. On the beach? Yeah. They're figuring How out. How is it back? He's dead. Uh, no, they're, yeah, it's back. <laughs> it's a dead whale. Uh, they're try, they figured out how to get rid of it. Oh, okay. What are they going to do? It is. Are they going to blow it up? No. Oh. Blow up the whale. Did you hear the seagull? I, th- I hope that was a seagull. Um, so there's a dead whale. We talked about this the other day. There's a dead whale on uh, the Saint- San Onifer's State Beach near, I guess, San Diego. Yeah, it's in that region. And it's really stinking up the place. Yeah. And it's leaking fluids mm. from everywhere. It's about, what would you say, 60,000 pounds? That's what they're saying. About yeah. 40 feet long, 60,000 pounds. So here's the deal. They've decided – and again, this to me seems like um, – what's the word? It seems like a, a 21st century solution uh-huh. to an age-old-ish problem. If we just left it there. It would take care of itself. It would eventually take care of itself. Yeah. If they just rolled it out into the ocean, I mean, I guess it would make the beaches kind of – no one could go near it or whatever. But the ocean would take care of it as yeah. it does every other whale that dies in the ocean. <laughs> right. But they die out at sea, not on the beach. Right. But what they've decided to do is get a backhoe okay, and just start breaking the thing down into pieces. Oh, who gets that job? I know. And then load it into a truck. All right. Drive it through the city and then go dump it at a dump and bury it. Okay. To feed, I guess, the worms, the microbes and worms yeah. of the dirt. Mm. Okay. That's an option, About $30,000 to remove it. And there's limited access because there's, uh, yeah. there's like a, t- a bridge to get on access to the beach, so they have to get the vehicles through that. So It seems hmm. like if this is a problem that happens a lot, like I've seen on the roads in Utah that there's companies that will go get the roadkill mm-hmm. because they can use it for something, glue or something. Yeah, there's and some they, use they're finding for it. I mean, and in some places like in the south, they'll make dinner out of some of it. Well, there's the whole roadkill cafe fresh, joke, you got to right? get it fresh. But um, – <laughs> Why Why couldn't you just have a beach company that will remove your whale carcass and the minute the whale carcass does is the, there – Does that company exist? I bet I, I bet they would. A beach company? Well, no. A company that just okay. does the same thing roadkill for the beach. For the beach. Here's why I say that. If you wait, I don't know, three weeks yeah. of a rotting whale, well, it's going to be a lot harder to move. There's the problem of it's a popular beach and they want to keep it open to the public and there's sure. this. Yeah. But so it seems like the minute yeah. you've got a whale, then what you need to do is have a doctor, a vet arrive and they could post the time of death <laughs> and make sure it's dead, which you got to do. And then what I would do is call, you know, the beach people. Okay. Beach combers are us. Mm. In fact, write that down, Ben, because this might be a new business idea. New business. Beachcombers. And it seems like that day, 
remove the whale immediately. Yeah. Remove the whale. Okay, what's the name again? Uh, Beachcombers are us. Okay. Also, dead well, dot, 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 on it, exclamation point. Okay, is is there going to be like a, a colon and then... Uh, let's dot, leave dot, that, dot, I'll leave that up to creative. Okay. Yeah, we'll okay. have to leave branding to someone else. But I think... The funny thing is, is if you took a whale that died within a mo- within an hour, right? You could probably harvest it, right? For some reason, yes. But instead, is it just sitting there because we don't know what to do and we don't know if it's dead and we're trying to be ecologically friendly and I don't know what are we doing? I don't know. We remove a deer off the side of the road in we a do. day. It doesn't weigh sixty thousand pounds, though. No, I know, but that's why you need a company. You need a company, <laughs> but, but who I don't knows know they, how to do this. But they can't. There's no business there. This isn't a common thing in San Diego. That's why it's well, a story. Well, no, but well, but if it's not in San Diego, there's going to be one in Santa Monica, and there's going to be one in Santa Barbara, and there's going to be one up in Maine. I, I still don't know if. And it's there's a going to be two down in Mexico in Guadalajara. I don't know if that's inland or not, <laughs> but it just seems like to me. Okay, that's one idea. Another idea: immediately push the thing with front loaders back into the ocean and tow it out. Tow it out. Five miles. Except they have very shallow waters and they can't get boats in there. They've thought about that. That was one of the options, but they just can't get the boat in there. And Look, so – If we can get to the moon, <laughs> there's, a, there's a will, there's a way. We can get a tugboat or whatever you need. A tugboat and a 5,000-foot chain this is, could pull it out. This is all I'm saying. You clear the beach for the, for the day, right? And then just in the middle of the day – Yeah, but then inland, about two miles, you got some lady scraping, <laughs> scraping they're, they're Crisco more, off. Or, they're more bite-sized pieces at that point. I must be missing something. If I'm missing something, give us a call. one eight five five chat byu What am I missing? Pull the thing out into the ocean. Just pull it out into the ocean. Yeah. I, I get it. It's hard to get a boat there. Yeah. They, I mean, they, they just they, – they, it's not – you can't get a boat close enough. We, we had boats that stormed Normandy. <laughs> we did. But Bring were, five of those boats. They were different. They, they came in and stormed Normandy. They right. stormed it. Yeah. Get five of those boats and then five tugboats in front of those <laughs> and pull the stupid thing off and push it and pull it. Yeah. But you got to do it in day one. Day five, it's going to be messy. <laughs> day one, get it out of here. Holy cow! This will be a problem. I am, I'm gonna I'm gonna be running for office. We're gonna follow this story because you know there's gonna be more chaos with it. They're not. This isn't gonna no. go away easily. And just by the way, the trauma of these children watching a backhoe. But it's a whale. <laughs> what are they doing? What are they doing to that whale, Daddy? Oh, they're just backhoeing it to death. <laughs> well, it's actually already dead, just into pieces. Then they're gonna dig. Oh, I mean, man. thirty grand. Are you kidding? Yeah. Holy cow. There's people that harvest these for their food well, in Alaska. Bring yeah. one of them down. <laughs> Pay him five grand. Man. Pay him five grand to come down and consult. What do we do with this? He'd yeah. have so many ideas. Or she. Or she. Doesn't matter. Don't limit. I guess we've got to take a break, a fast yeah. break. We'll be back in about a minute, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us. Welcome back. 
I still can't recover from the whale. It just makes me mad. I would have taken care of it for five grand. Just get out of my way. Uh, any other news more important than removing the very messy whale? As we've heard this morning, the election is... It's, it's been messy as of late. Yeah, it's like moving a whale. You had some uh, some unrest last night in California at a Donald Trump rally. It's interesting. He held that at a uh, amphitheater in... Uh, it, was a, it wasn't Santa Monica. Where was it? It was in Southern California. Yeah. So the city they were in, they had a, at an amphitheater. Across the street was the police station. So the riots start happening oh, in the right streets. In the People going nuts. The cops just walked out of the office... There's Put a, down their coffee. There's a guy in a Miata doing donuts out in the intersection. Really? <laughs> just kind of crazy stuff going on. So as all that backdrop is continuing, uh, Speaker Paul Ryan offers advice to young Republicans who don't like Ted Cruz or Donald Trump. Okay. Right? He says this is during per- a, Is that like half the young Republicans? Could be. Okay. During a town hall at Georgetown University Wednesday, House Speaker Paul Ryan fielded a question from a disgruntled young Republican unhappy with this year's GOP presidential candidates. The student told Ryan he was very dismayed by this year's election so far because it's very difficult for young Republicans to support Donald Trump or Ted Cruz. Ryan said this was unfortunately not the first time he had heard this and encouraged young conservatives to look at the policies, not the person. If the policies that matter, it's the policies that matter so much in front of you is not just a vote for a person, a political personality in front of you will be a choice between two paths you will have to take. I will look at the ideas, look at the platform that is being advanced. That's Mm. what he would, that's what he would look at. Okay. Policies, not the person. Interesting. What do you think? I think that's a neat idea. (laughs) So don't worry about the individual. It's the policies. Look we're at trying the policies. That's that's actually a great idea. What if the person doesn't have any policies? <laughs> <laughs> They're slowly developing them. Okay. Some. Yeah, they could happen. Yeah. That's good. Paul Ryan for president. He's trying really still, hard to keep this thing hold this thing together. He's got to hold it together, or he'll blow everything. We'll take a break, folks. Uh, coming up in uh, next hour, we're going to be talking spirituality versus science. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the second hour of the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here. Your guide on the side. Walking you through life. Helping you get the results you need. From those crazy people you live with. We talk about families here, business, uh, work, and whales. Dead whales. Dead whales. By the way, an update I saw on the whale story. Not only are they trying to remove it. We've talked forever on the show about this whale. uh, How long? Like a week. uh, About a whale. On the beach near San Diego. Yeah. 60,000 pounds. It's falling apart because it's been dead a while. And I just gave my idea of how to fix the problem. Yep. Right? Start a new business. And uh, I, think it would, I, think it would, I think it would be thriving according to this. They're finding out that since that, uh, that whale washed up on shore, another whale has been floating in the water near there. Mm. And it's attracting great white sharks. You know what I mean? 
And and as I mentioned, there's a naval air station in San Diego. Just scramble some fighter jets and blow the thing up. Yeah. That, what do you think a cluster bomb is for? That's right. Come on. <laughs> yeah, we're going to need a cluster bomb on the beach. If we ever needed drone strikes. Oh, there you go. The oh, this would be way cool. All those guys in those mobile homes in Nevada need something to do. <laughs> Sorry. That's probably why they don't want to drag it out there because they're afraid it'll like create it'll An attract island? the sharks. Oh, right. Well, that yeah, that would be an issue. But you, apparently, there are already sharks because wow. there's already another one floating out there. So, what are they going to do with that one? Let's just wait till that one comes in. Drone strike, and then we'll spend thirty grand to remove it from our <laughs> beach. Holy I cow, don't know. people! Hey, um, what you do is you send you send a scout troop out there, mm-hmm. and you have them just hook onto that. Well, that's floating. Sure, there's white sharks. But In some canoes? Yeah. They're scouts. <laughs> they'll get their merit badge. Yeah, they'll figure it out. They'll get their whaling merit badge. <laughs> they'll get their canoeing merit badge and their swimming that's merit badge. Wow. Brilliant. See? Again, these are solutions no other show is giving you. I wonder why. Mm. Hey, um, uh, we've got a great guest coming up. Dr. Anthony Jack will be joining us. He's, he's done um, some extensive research on spirituality and science. And he, he's going to talk about the fact that Think about it. Like you think about scientists that don't get faith and and religion and spirituality and and people that are religious that don't believe in science. Well, he has found why that is. It's our brain. Our brain has a hard time because those are two different ways of uh, accepting accepting one processing and accepting data. The other. Huh. And they conflict with each other. Yeah. And so when you go faithful, a lot of times you're your objective brain turns off, turns off. And when you go objective, your kind of faithful spiritual brain turns off. So he's going to talk to us about it's a pretty interesting little discovery and how we might be able to bridge the gap if you're so inclined. Um, we'll get to that in just a few minutes, Dr. Anthony Jack. Also, later in the show, hour number three, we'll be talking with Rod Gustafson about uh, parent previews, some movies that will be released. You're going to want to hear that. Ratchet and Clank. It's a video game. Oh, I had Ratchet and Clank once. The game? I oh. think that's a different oh. thing. Is that what it is? Is yeah. it a game? Well, I've got three versions of it at home. Three versions of Ratchet. Of the game. And, oh, is there a game called Ratchet? Oh, and yeah. Clank? It's a huge franchise for, I guess, the PlayStation. Yeah, no, I've never heard of the game. Mine yeah, was more of a, it's fun. Mine was more of a knee problem. You got like a fox-looking animal oh, really? main character that's chucking it. It's like little kids can play it. Oh, so, fun. of course, it's right into my ballpark. So there's a movie about this video game. Yeah, and then there's a little robot named Clank that helps him out. Sometimes he's secret agent Clank. Clank's a great name. Yeah. And they're sarcastic. They go back and forth. Wasn't there a guy they named fly around Colonel in space. Clank on... Clink. Um, oh, that's Clink. Yeah, a different guy. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, it was different. It was Just a great thought I'd show get, you, get you excited about a video game. Yeah, isn't movie. that weird how you went all Yeah, I was, I was really excited about that. Nerdy on us. Sorry. He's a Lomax. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Good times. Uh, let's get to the headlines. Um who, who's doing Jameson. the headlines? Oh, Jameson's doing the headlines. Let's get to the local or the, the headlines, everything going on around the United States with Jameson. Thanks, Matt. The Senate approved a bill designating the North American bison as the national mammal. The House has also approved the bill. The final step is getting the president's signature. If signed, the bill would officially put the bison in rarefied air, joining the nation's official bird, the bald eagle, as a national animal of the United States. Wildlife conservation officials said that designating the bison as a national mammal recognizes the important role the animals have played in the story of our nation. And the owner of the... 
Oakland Raiders is making a push to move his team to Las Vegas. While meeting with the Nevada Tourism Committee, Mike Davis pledged $500 million towards the construction of a dome stadium in the city. Soccer legend David Beckham and billionaire developer Sheldon Adelson are helping lead the project to build an NFL stadium in Sim City. And according to the CDC, teen pregnancy rates are at an all-time low. Over the last two decades, teen births have plummeted by 60%. The drop is attributed to two main causes. First, better access to more effective contraception. And second, that today's teens are simply having less sex. Utah Senator Mike Lee is demanding an apology from John Boehner. Boehner made comments last night calling the Republican presidential hopeful, Ted Cruz, Lucifer in the flesh. Lee said that Boehner should be ashamed of himself, that the act was appalling, and that he was demanding an apology. The New York Times CEO is under fire for sexism and racism. The chief executive of the New York Times has been sued for introducing a culture of deplorable discrimination. The multi-million dollar class action suit alleges that the publication was an environment rife with discrimination. The spokeswoman in charge of communications for the Times said that these were unjustified attacks. And that's an update for today. Back to you, Matt. Thank you, Jameson. Appreciate the uh, the news update. There's a lot of little headlines going on. The fun thing about Friday is there's just so many stories hanging out there that we got to get to. Very important stories. And important stories, yeah. Do you hug a dog? You had a dog as a child. I did. Did you hug that dog? Hugged it to death. Did you really? Yeah, I did. Did you get it. any sort of complaint from the dog? No, it kept just saying with its little underbite, huh. hug me more. Hug me more? Yeah. My dog didn't like to be hugged. Yeah. Any sort of confinement, my dog would get well, really your, antsy. Your dog was a lot like you. Yeah, don't touch him. Don't, don't touch me. Doesn't want to hug. Stand back. I have a personal bubble. Stay away. <laughs> You're in my space. Thanks to the old wet blanket known as science, we now have compelling evidence that your dog hates it when you hug them. Dr. Stanley Korn, a professor of psychology specializing in canine behavior, hmm. says that dogs nearly always show signs of stress or anxiety when being embraced. Really? Now, this was in the San Francisco Chronicle. According to Psychology Today, those signs include avoiding eye contact, showing the whites of their eyes, lowering their ears, yawning, licking, and raising a paw. And while the idea that dogs hate hugs is widely accepted by experts, though not by dog owners, Corrin found that a lack of scientific research on the subject. So he decided to study 250 photos of people hugging dogs found randomly on the internet. Unsurprisingly, there were plenty to choose from. Yeah. (laughs) He says, excuse me. Somebody's... Hugging a dog. Yeah, I know. That dog's really in pain over there. I can summarize the data quite simply, he says. The internet contains many pictures of happy people hugging what appear to be unhappy dogs. (laughs) He found the dogs in 81% of the photos showed at least one sign of discomfort, stress, or anxiety. Only 7% of the dogs appeared comfortable with being hugged. More than four out of five dogs find this human expression of affection to be unpleasant, he writes. And that's the key. Dogs aren't people. A dog's natural impulse when faced with a threat is to run away, New York Magazine reports. By embracing a dog, you take away its ability to deal with the potential threats. Instead of hugs, he recommends showing affection through pets, treats, and playtime. Okay. So stop hugging your dog. So when they take a dog to a rest home. Yes. Because therapeutically. Therapeutically. uh, If the residents of the rest home could hold and hug the dogs, it's good for the residents. But really, that is kind of like a death sentence to the dog. Because all they're going to get are hugs. The dog right? knows that just be, it'll just be passed around and be hugged and hugged and hugged. 
We are so evil to our dogs, then. We, apparently. Here, boy. Let mama hug you. Lots of hugs. But my, my dog loved it. And I've seen that. You'll see the dog like put up its paws in defense. Whoa, hey. That's a big hug there. No more of a bear hug. That dog was screaming. Ben is loving on that dog. <laughs> that's some serious hug. Oh, that is sad. So apparently we're not supposed to hug our dogs. Back off your dog. It's going to be... Now, what if we're wrong? In 10 years, we'll have another study that'll say, dogs are depressed because they lack hugs. We'll find out. This is all trial and error. I think at the moment. Yeah. Now, let me just tell you this. I know cats act like they don't want to be hugged. Right. That's not true. They enjoy the affection? Hug those cats. You Mm. hug on them. Just hug them. Mm. They'll squirm. They'll They'll probably try to claw your eyes out. You keep hugging. (laughs) But when they've passed out, you've know you've you've yeah. hugged them. Long you've enough. hugged them to just this blissful state of nirvana, <laughs> and now they're just going to sleep for a while, just like that whale on the beach. Mommy, what's that whale doing? That whale is sleeping, Timmy. Why are they backhoeing it? <laughs> they're sleeping it back into the into the earth, honey. Um, it's sad. Did you hear the story about NPR? What a they do? fellow broadcaster. On Take Your Kid to Work Day, uh, apparently NPR had one of their newscasts shut down for a minute. What? What happened? Because of a child. Oh, no. (laughs) Uh, Take Your Child to Work Day is a wonderful day at the office for everyone not responsible for a small child. For everyone else tasked with child tours, kid-friendly presentations, or cleanup duty, it's the most stressful holiday of the year. you got to bring your kid to work. So apparently um, on NPR, on a morning newscast, they say today. Is that today? Today? Um, uh, Yeah. According to Gawker, um, a few calculated movements of an an anonymous child's fingers somehow caused a broadcast of morning edition to go silent at 11.04 a.m. I know nothing. Nothing. There's Schultz. A few seconds of playing on the control panel for a child, a minute of pure terror for the employee that was responsible, and, uh, you know, what do you do? Everybody yeah. tweeted it out. So, you know, we occasionally have those problems, but that's just Ben. Ben, and they're not – yeah, he's not even really a child. And it's kind of a perpetual bring your kid yeah. to work day with Ben. Oh, totally. so. Have you ever noticed how sticky yeah. all the buttons are over, are over there? Yeah. It's weird. Constantly. And it's, it's clean, and then he walks in, and like, the whole room is sticky. Well, custodial has started to come into the studio at – like ten oh five, yeah. Instead of early in the morning because of me, I, I think it's because of me. Maybe. Well, yeah, they they've got all night to clean it. Yeah. Hmm. It's hard. It's hard to do that. They have, um, they have a power washer in tow, also at ten o'clock. They do just to clean off the room. <laughs> yeah, there's so much stuff in here. Oh, it's gross. And you know what it is? It's ice cream. It's 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 remnants. Yeah. they call it remnants of ice cream. He's just me- a messy eater. That's all. Yeah. Had, well, we did I mean, some forensics on his desk and work site, and there were remnants of ice cream everywhere. And sometimes I forget to clean my tub out mm. before I tub for the day. Before he tubs for the day. Mommy, <laughs> when will we be tubbing? <laughs> what? What are you talking about, you little hairball? Uh, it is Hairball Awareness Day, for those of you that are counting. Just be careful. Be counting. So uh, don't hug your dog. And you can hug your cat all you want. They love it, even when they act like they don't. Chase them down, corner them, and then uh, brush your cat so it doesn't get as many hairballs. Hairballs. 
Yep. Or a dad changing a diaper, whichever. That's the dad changing the diaper, one of the greatest <laughs> videos ever. And if you're a dad changing a diaper, you appreciate that. Or a mom changing a diaper. It's, we act like moms love that. No. But somehow you don't get great videos of moms doing that. I'd almost rather watch a dad gagging. Yeah. Watching that video. Than a mom? Than somebody backhoeing a whale off the back, off of a, off of the beach. Yeah. It seems more. I've noticed the first few minutes yeah. of that are a lot more interesting, but then it gets boring. Yeah. It's kind of like our construction work outside. Right. You watch it for a few minutes yeah. and you're like, oh, wait, they're just going to do that all day. Uh, oh, you just do desk. that a hundred times? Okay. <laughs> Because that was neat the first three times. It was interesting last week where they've been doing a lot of welding outside. Yeah. And the people in the office are trying to watch the people weld. You're not supposed to look at the weld. It hurts your eyes. And they're just staring at it like, oh, my eyes. Did you notice that, yeah, Kaylee had that problem. (laughs) People are now blind for some reason. Yeah, Kaylee's now wearing a patch on one of her eyes. (laughs) We've also got a great video of Kaylee, our producer, that we will post. Um, Kaylee had a little lip – she had a little dental work done. And I will let you post that as do I actually have to get her to work and she won't work for me and help me with the show. And then you just just tell her I posted it. Well, she'll know. Well, how will she know? Because it got posted. Yeah, but she'll just say I discuss this over the air. She'll know you had nothing to do with it because it was actually posted. You've had some issues lately posting things. Yeah, it's hard. (laughs) Like you come in and you can't even tell me where you sent a message to. No, I send it to your messenger. <laughs> Which on I Facebook. don't use. Well, I didn't know that. <laughs> How would I know what you use? Anyway, it's a great video of uh, Kaylee after one of our producers. You'll actually get to meet her next hour. You've met her before. I, I can never remember her name, so I call her every other name. Actually, I can remember her name, but it's just fun to make up other names for her. She got her, her lip was numb and she couldn't eat, she couldn't talk. And with her numb lip, we did, we asked her to put on some chapstick, and it's pretty funny. You got to watch it. We'll post that on our at Doctor Matt Show Twitter uh, site. You got to you got to check it out. Tons of fun. We'll take a break. Coming up, Doctor Anthony Jack will be talking to us about spirituality and science. What? Uh, where is really the divide? Why do we have such a hard time between spirituality and this sense of being objective? might be in our brain. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, many of life's decisions require serious consideration. Some choose to make decisions based on gut instinct, a feeling, or an inspiration, while some, uh, you know, focus their divine spirit beliefs. That's how they get to that. Others use cold hard facts, right? Deductive reasoning, more of a scientific approach. Well, can science and the spiritual ever come together? Uh, According to our next guest, Dr. Anthony Jack, who's an associate professor of philosophy at Case Western Reserve University, he uh, he shares that uh, it might be that these two actually collide. They're, they combat with each other in our brain. It might be our brain that struggles with them, and he's here today to help us kind of sort through it. Dr. Anthony Jack, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Thank you. Thank you. And again, great to have you. This um, I this topic is so 
apropos, right? This has been going on forever, right? The the battle between, I guess, the objective and the intuitive. Yes, um, I think it has, and, and indeed the spiritual. I mean, we know that in all societies, all cultures that have been charted through history, there has been some belief in the supernatural and religion of some form or another. Talk to us about your research. What what have you been learning about, um, you know, analytical reasoning and moral reasoning? Well, I really like the frame you used at the start about whether they're going to collide or um, whether they can come together. I think that what we see in the brain um, is, is gives us a little bit of insight into that. Um, and, and as a basic take-home, I would say that they're never really going to be synthesized with each other, these two points of view. They are at odds, huh? But they, well, but that's, that's, I'm not quite sure they're at odds, because actually I think they can live quite happily with each other. Hmm. Um, so we can have a happy marriage, I think. Yeah, I guess. Um, and, and the reason I say that is because we know that there's, the, the network architecture of the brain is such that when you engage the type of uh, brain areas, the whole network of brain areas that are involved in this logical scientific approach to thinking, you actually turn off the brain areas that are important for thinking about your own emotions, for empathizing, and for moral decision-making. Huh. And then vice versa, when you, when you turn on the other set, when you, when you turn on the um, sort of ethical and social-emotional thinking areas, you turn off the analytic thinking areas. And I think that's actually telling us that the brain is organized in such a way that um, these two don't need to interfere with each other, and they can operate independently. Um, so they, but they need to swap off on each other. And I think some of the cases where we see conflict is when people are trying to overreach with one type of thinking. So they're trying to apply analytic thinking to interpersonal relationships, and that's not really a healthy thing to do. And or vice versa, they're trying to apply a sort of spiritual way of thinking about the world to understanding the actual physical structure of the world, um, which, which I also think is an overreach, um, that, but maybe the religious side is more guilty of. And really, you're saying they, they actually, these different networks shut down. It's, so they're never really in play simultaneously. Well, it's not that they're never in play, but when they are in play simultaneously, they seem to be supporting yet another type of thinking. Um, so, and that it appears that we have a lot of evidence that the pure types of analytic thinking and purely connecting with other people gets interfered with if you have the other network active. But sometimes, say when you're dealing with people um, interpersonally, but in a situation that isn't really directly and just completely connecting with them, say when you're um, thinking politically, if you like, or dealing with someone where, with whom you have uh, conflicts and tension, then we see these two brain networks come up together to help to try to resolve that kind of situation. Hmm. Is it Was this a surprise finding for you in your research, or were you anticipating this? Well, sort of both. Um, I had come up with a theory that, that this might be true, but I didn't really believe it. Um, <laughs> I, I, I thought it would be, um, it would sort of be too nice if it was true. So when the data came in from the big brain imaging study that we did, um, I, was, I was actually I first um, was getting everyone who was working me, with me in the lab to double check the data over and over <laughs> again because it was so strong I couldn't believe it. 
Um, but yeah, so it was it was surprising. Certainly, um, I'd had a theoretical prediction, but I didn't I didn't think it would be so extensive. Is it uh, what I mean? Th- this also jives with, I guess, other uh, you know philosophical beliefs um, from Kant and others about th- that we kind of have to duality or, or dual systems. Is that right? That is right, and I really owe this insight to a student of mine who now works with me in the lab. He's graduated. Um, I hadn't really read much of Immanuel Kant um, when I was doing this work, although it was inspired by some other philosophy. But then he took a course on Immanuel Kant, and he, was, he kept bringing these passages to me. And it turns out that Immanuel Kant had described there as being two types of reasoning that you could never completely bring together. And in fact, it's a key part of his philosophy that there's always some tension or contradiction between these two ways of thinking, which he called theoretical reason and practical reason. Hmm. And by practical reason, he meant the type of reasoning we need to use in our practical interpersonal affairs, the type of reasoning that guides ethical thought. Interesting. And then, so you were able uh, with your study to, to basically prove that out. Yeah, I wouldn't say every detail of Kant's philosophy, um, but yes, I mean, it, the correspondence, quite remarkable. What do we do with this knowledge now going forward? How, how is it going to impact or how can we use it uh, as, as we're trying to deal with, I guess, real life issues um, about even environment or our political you know, persuasions and issues when we have these weird battles that, that uh, you know, uh, evolution and other battles that are bring up a spiritual view versus a kind of a more theoretical, logical view? Um, it's a great question, and it's very much the direction um, where we're interested in going in. So now we're, um, we're looking at how the trade-off between these brain networks applies to um, being effective at managing. So uh, most managers have, um, a, I mean, they have an awful lot of um, responsibilities, but they need to be on top of the analytic task performance aspects of, um, of, of, the, of the business, um, balance the budget. Um, but they also are managers, and they need to deal um, with with the people who are working for them as well as perhaps clients. So there are two different sorts of skills here that need to be deployed that we know come from these two different networks. And um, I'm, I'm in a collaboration now with a wonderful organizational behavior researcher who um, we have here at Case. We have a, a leading department of that. And um, so we've written a couple of papers now about applying that and how insights from this can be used to help people um, manage themselves and others better. Hmm. You, in your research, I, I think you evaluated 500 plus 600 people, right? Um, I think it was over a thousand. Oh, was it a thousand? Numbers right with me. Did, um, did, did you find people that, that really could only use one of those uh, analytical systems, that they were either kind of predominantly spiritual and not as analytical or more analytical and not as spiritual? We certainly do see people on the extremes, um, and um, because we, were sa- we weren't sampling people from a clinical population, we didn't se- tend to see the most extreme profiles. Right. But one of the things that guided this whole theoretical development is that there are individuals who have very poor analytic skills but are very interpersonally warm. Uh, Williams syndrome um, seems to um, be one... A sort of profile similar to that, to some degree, Down syndrome, 
Um, and then at the other extreme, um, you can have um, uh, very smart people, indeed very analytically clever, who really have, have very, very little capability for empathy. And this is uh, the scientific definition of a psychopath. Wow. Interesting. Now, now, these, now I should stress that we can have pro-social psychopaths. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I actually got a very amusing email the other day from a neuroscientist who was writing to me, a neuroscientist who had discovered that he was himself a psychopath, um, not a criminal psychopath, but mm. someone who really felt no empathy, very analytic, analytically smart. Um, uh, so he was emailing <laughs> me because he was... He was saying, oh, well, that makes sense, that, that your findings. He figured, um, it, he figured himself out through the process. Yes, Interesting. It, yes. So, so empathy, then, you're finding, is a major part of this spiritual approach. That um, is actually something that's been shown to some degree or another in many studies. Okay. Um, and, and which we, indeed, we actually compared it directly with the analytic thinking. That was... Um, what we did in this study, and I think um, I think it is quite clear that there is um, an association um, between spirituality um, and religious belief and empathy. That there is also, it's also been shown that the more surface appearance of religion does not necessarily go with empathy. So the fact that you go to church and that you hang out in church social groups doesn't mean that you have more empathy. It's actually more specifically that you. How you believe and that you have these spiritual feelings that, that goes with empathy. Yeah. Is it, um, yeah, we've heard research lately too with Lisa Miller from Columbia uh, also just about the difference kind of between religiosity and spirituality. So uh, somebody yeah. that more connects into a higher power, not necessarily because of a, not, not connected to their faith creed necessarily, versus those that are connected deeply to a faith creed which she would call more religious. Let's, let's do this. We're talking with Dr. Tony Jack about his uh, research um, there at Case Western University on um, the conflicts between science and spirituality and how it's all kind of rooted in the brain, folks. We'll take a break, come back, continue the discussion, see what else we can learn about empathy and, you know, learning. Stick with us. This is The Matt Townsend Show. Today, uh, we are discussing the conflict um, that arises in our brain when we we have this battle between our spiritual kind of uh, approach or uh, system in our brain and our analytical system, kind of the scientific methodology, and the conflict that's going on. And we are talking with Dr. Uh, Tony Jack. He is a uh, professor, associate professor of philosophy at Case Western Reserve University. He joins us now live from Cleveland. Dr. Jack, thanks again for being back with us. Great to be here. When you when you talked about it, so we have kind of a we have two different analytical or I don't know what do you call them? Two different systems, is that what you're calling them? Types of reasoning, yeah. ways of understanding. Two different ways of understanding um, a spiritual kind of way in our brain and another is more of an analytical, more of a science, uh, I guess approach, data-oriented approach. Um, when, when you're saying when one turns on, the other turns off, uh, which allows you know one to I guess 
bloom and blossom and then back and forth they kind of turn on and off when the other is on. And I guess what you're saying though too is the two the two work well together just not simultaneously. Yes, that's that's very much the message um that we we try and encourage and as part of our management training is to say don't try and don't try and bring everything together. Realize that you need a different way of thinking, a different perspective to um, really understand one type of thing from um, from the other. So, you know, we, we we have these phrases in everyday language. You know, it's cold, detached, logical thinking, mm-hmm. um, and um, and then we have you know this stereotype of empathy as being somewhat fuzzy thinking. Um, so I, I think that we can see that those stereotypes that we all have really are played out. We, we can see the reason for it in the brain architecture. Right. Is there, is there a way that we um, – because they, they're not used simultaneously. Is there a way that we can strengthen our ability, for example, to be maybe a spiritually focused person and uh, you know, a, a strong, open-minded, detached person when we need to? How do we strengthen our ability to do that? Well, good. I think this is a really important question because I think um, both in the main focus of a lot of education um, and in our culture more broadly, particularly with the um, the, the use of increasing use of technology, there's a there's a push towards being more and more analytic in how we're how we're thinking. And indeed, some of the um, sort of anti-religious individuals, the new atheists and the brights, are two big groups. Um, there, there is a sort of triumphalism about analytic thinking, this idea that we should use this naturalistic scientific worldview to apply to everything. But in fact, it's long been recognized in ethics that you, you can't get an ought from an is. That is, you're not going to get ethical, moral insight merely by studying facts. You have to add something extra, another dimension of understanding the um, interpersonal. Hmm. That's a great and, – and, and I guess so they – it's um, – yeah, they, they enhance each other. That's why like – They can like enhance a, each other yeah. if they're used right. That's right. So, so we talk about the ability to switch appropriately for the right task um, and to trade off between these two ways of thinking so that we can have sort of a, a dynamic balance um, rather than trying to jam everything into the same story, which is where – we we really um, see the see the conflicts and problems um, come up. Yeah, in, in fact, it, you you brought up leadership. Maybe this is a great leadership skill to be able to. If you're hearing too much just objective, cold hard facts, great, listen to it, but then also bring in a human point later. That's, that's and, right. and balance well, I, the discussion of, over my, time. Yes. Well, one of my roles, I mean, I'm, I'm uh, in the Department of Philosophy, but also the Departments of Psychology, Neuroscience, Neurology, and Organizational Behavior. <laughs> you are everywhere. Um, yeah, I'm, I spread myself around. <laughs> um, but I'm also in this Inamori Center, for, International Center for Ethics and Excellence, which mm. is a fascinating center um, founded by um, Kazuo Inamori, who, um, who founded the Kyoto Prize and um, uh, has, has um, been, a, been long recognized as a a very capable business leader in Japan. Um, and um, the, he, his philosophy um, melds very well with these findings. So we're very interested in ethical leadership, and we do think that um, leadership requires this trade-off between these two in general, and that you can see a lot of ethical failures, say, 
Volkswagen was a recent example where people were too stuck in analytic thinking and just failed to see the bigger picture mm. um, and realize, really lost, lost sight of their moral compass. Yeah. Um, and, and this does, I mean, it's happened uh, throughout history, and um, it's, it's easy to do in a way if you, if you don't recognize the importance of switching and making sure you also see things from the other perspective. Yeah, it's like we, we break into teams and we dichotomize it. And so you're either in the data-oriented, cold, hard data, or you're in the squishy, touchy-feely side. And the reality of a good life and business, I'm hearing, is both, the blend. Yes. Oh, and maybe not always the blend in the moment, but the blend over time. Yes, absolutely. That's, that's very much... Um the message. Now, can kids, if I, is there an inherent difference between um, the spiritual side of thinking and the scientific side of thinking in children? Is that something that if I focused on making sure I was growing both sides with my children, would they both grow, I guess, short of somebody having some disorder? Yes, they should. And I mean, even if someone does have some disorder, there may be all the more reason to focus on getting yeah. both sides to, to, to grow. Um, I mean, we certainly know that early intervention in autism can have a, a wonderful ameliorative effect. Now, I should say I'm not an expert with children. Um, I have three, and it's enough of a struggle for me <laughs> to, um, to manage them. But we do have some interesting clues that children don't have quite the same network architecture that the adult does. And in fact, this dichotomy between these two networks is less present um, in pre-adolescence. And really? it really starts to take shape through adolescence. So um, I think it would take a little bit more for me to figure out yeah. exactly what implications that has for you know, early childhood education. How has um, it impacted your parenting, though? Does it does I, I mean think, you know it's fascinating research it's it's it'd be interesting to see what it feels like or what you're doing when you bring it home. Uh, yes. Um yes. Well, I wasn't inviting that. No. <laughs> yeah, I know you were. Um, <laughs> yeah. I I think it is well, this work has really uh, changed my perspective on the world. It's given me uh, more insight into recognizing these two different types of thinking and that's something that I I I often changing how I frame things that happen um, you know, in the workplace. Um, and I think that it is tremendously important. One, one thing that I feel confident to say is that we must not just focus on STEM as being the totality of education. And I, there are some sort of rather politically motivated sort of statements that are sometimes made about education. Why teach people, you know, useless things? Why pay for the arts and humanities education? And um, I think this is really very unfortunate. It's a terrible disservice um, not to give people exposure to things that can help them make sense of their life and help them find a meaningful life. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, of course, I'm, I'm a big believer in the STEM subject. Right. I'm a scientist, but um, we do need some balance. Yeah, and it. I mean, and again, the, almost the thought that you don't have to dichotomize it. Your brain has the networks and the networks can grow and work. They just maybe not working simultaneously, but they're still working in you. I mean, again, like art can inform science and process and systems. It's powerful. That's very much what we see. And in fact, one of the most consistent signatures of virtually any mental disorder, everything from autism and schizophrenia, ADHD, depression, 
is that you aren't switching so much huh. between these networks. So we, we see that um, as, as something that is occurring in many disorders. There's, there's details that are different in, the, in different disorders, but this switching um, is, is associated with high IQ and not switching clearly, not turning off the other network when you go into one of them. Is um, is often a sign that something's um, going a little awry. Oh, that's it. I mean, that's fascinating, and again, something that you can easily, I guess, with your children, you can help them switch just simply by asking a question. It seems like, right? Like a, a, a question that would lead them either to an analytical question or a question that might lead them to a deeper meaning. I think that's right. I think there's an awful lot we can do with framing um, mm. of of issues. Um, and and that's very relevant to, to, to ethical things, um, to ethical matters. But yes, one of the things we look at is um, this tendency to dehumanize others. When we, you start to see others of not, not really someone else you're fully connecting with, maybe more like an object or an, or an animal that you have some distance from. And that dehumanizing can be very subtle cues can, can make us start doing this. And, and we see that dehumanizing... Uh, the neural signatures of it is really switching out of this empathetic network and into the analytic network. Hmm. So um, that can happen, and it can happen kind of pernicious, very subtly. You know, the, the, the way we talk about people can start to make us reframe how we respond to them. You know, it's very important because the moments when we fail to have empathy, when there's some block to our empathy, um, really... Um, we need to understand them better in our own lives and scientifically understand them better because they can have tremendously damaging effects socially. Mm. Yeah, no, you can see that. You're switching from an empathic spiritual response to a, to a thing, a being, an, an, an analytical approach. Dr. Tony Jack, we appreciate you. Great work on your uh, work between the science brain and the spiritual brain. Keep it up. So uh, we appreciate you so much. And that really, wow, fascinating, isn't it? We can balance it, folks. It just takes focus. I guess, again, moderation, moderate, moderate, moderate. Uh, Again, Dr. Tony Jack, Associate Professor of Philosophy at Case Western Reserve University. You can find him, by the way, if you just go to TonyJack.org. Great, great uh, information on his website as well. Okay, we're going to take a break. Come back. Uh, We've got an interesting interview um, from Leanna Tan. Knew nothing about baseball, so we decided to send her to a baseball game. The big takeaway? Churros. Stick with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, there's a lot to learn in this world, and uh, when we are sitting around after the show talking to our producers, we, we get so many great ideas. One of them came from Leanna Tan, who uh, didn't know much about baseball. And because it's spring ball and, you know, baseball's kind of fading in some ways, the ticket sales are dropping, it's, it's losing a little bit of its luster, yet I love the sport. I thought, hey, we got to go figure out why people are falling away from the love of baseball. And let's teach Leanna something along the way. Here's a little segment where Leanna's discovering baseball. Spring. 
spring is here. The grass is cut, the sun is out, and it's the perfect weather to sit outside for a three-hour game. You know what that means? Baseball season. You know, I heard baseball is America's pastime, but I don't really get why. After all, it wasn't even started in the U.S. So why are Americans so obsessed with it? You're killing me, Smalls. Well, actually, maybe that obsession is fading because I read an article in the Wall Street Journal that said, according to the National Sporting Goods Association, in 2002, nine million people between the ages of seven and 17 played baseball in the U.S. But by 2013, the most recent year for which data is available, that figure had dropped to 5.3 million. Wow, that's a decrease of over three million people in just the past 13 or 14 years that don't play baseball anymore. If baseball is America's pastime, Why does it seem to be fading off the radar? Maybe kids just don't know what they're missing out on. Maybe I don't know what I'm missing out on. I know just the person to ask. We're here with Coach Mike Littlewood. I heard that Little League baseball participation has gone down three million in the last 13 years. So, what are these kids missing out on? Why is baseball such a good sport to play? Baseball is all about failure, and so it really teaches you how to accept failure, move on, and be productive after that. You've been a baseball coach for a while now. How does coaching affect your family life? So I've got three boys and a girl. My boys just grew up around the baseball field. They helped me work on the field. I started at Alta High School as my first full-time job, and my kids were out there raking. And my wife and my daughter will sit in the stands and yell at the umpires right along with me. And our family trips were baseball trips.、Um, my wife loves it, and my kids love it. It's brought us closer. So, what are some other benefits of baseball? When you're in a team setting, you learn how to get along with one another, and that rolls over to when guys get jobs. A lot of my former players call me back right now that are attorneys, or you know, just and they have families, and the things that they learn on the baseball field have carried on to help them get along with their families and you know be productive citizens. And that's really when it comes down to it, what it's all about. Well, Coach Littlewood intrigued me, so I had to go find out what the fuss was myself, and I'm here at BYU's Miller Park for my first college baseball game, and I'm here with my friend Yun Zhuotai. He's also here for his first college baseball game.、Um, we're here to find out why people even come to baseball games and what keeps them coming back. How do you feel being in front row seats? I don't know. I only seen this angle from a movie before, so it's kind of exciting. Uh, what are your expectations for this game?、Uh, hot dogs, lots of soft drink, maybe a pretzel and nachos. I'm feeling wild. I found some more baseball fans. This is my first college baseball game, and I'm just wondering, what is it about baseball that intrigues people to keep coming? It's what you do on us during the spring or the summer. There's something about being in the ballpark, green grass, the smell, the feel, and the sounds. So it looks like you brought your whole family to this baseball game. We just love more than just the game, just the experience, being here with the kids. What's your name? CJ. CJ, how old are you? Four. And what's your name? Grace. How old are you? Seven. Do you love baseball? Yeah. What is your favorite part about baseball? When they get points. That's my favorite part too. All right, I seem to have found an extreme baseball fan here. So, are you related? Yeah. Do you think that baseball is like a good activity for father and son? Um, I think it's really cool activity because it teaches a lot of life lessons. One of the biggest ones is if you fail, you can get up and keep trying. Do you have any traditions that you do when you come to baseball games? I usually like get a hot dog. What is it about the hot dog that makes baseball such a cool experience? I don't know. I guess it's just been a part of the game. I don't know why. Okay, I got my first authentic college baseball hot dog and a churro because you have to because it's baseball. Let's see how this is. That is good. That that's an Oreo, 
Oreo churro. Hot dog, also delicious. I understand. I understand baseball a lot more. I think I will come back to a baseball game. How's your hot dog and a donut? It's what America's all about. That's why I came here. So delicious. I feel like I'm going to live a little bit shorter, but it's going to be better. Okay, so I just met some friends. They shared their seeds with me, so they're my best friends now. What's your favorite part about baseball? Oh, for just the atmosphere, the sunflower seeds, the music, the the field, the layback, and of course the fireworks when it's firework night. Yeah, I think my favorite part of baseball is the like family relationships, like with my dad, and um, and definitely the baseball girls. If you can hear that, that's the sound of end of the game celebration. Fireworks, perfect way to end a baseball game. So, Yingzhuo, what do you think about the game? Overall, I liked it a lot. You know, after uh, finals, it's nice to just kind of sit down for a second and relax, get some good hot dogs, and just drown myself in Diet Coke. So, our first college baseball game was a success. Would you say? Absolutely, and the Cougars won. Yes. All right, I wouldn't mind coming back. Well, there you have it, baseball in a nutshell. And I have to say, they convinced me. The fireworks, spinning half-eaten seeds on the ground, filling my arteries with deep-fried food. Baseball was a great time. So this summer, support American tradition and take your family to a ball game. I mean, I get it now. It's everything Americans love: family, fatty food, and carbonated beverages. No wonder it's America's pastime. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at one eight five five Chat BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody. Hour number three of the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here again, doing what we can to give you the tools, the information you need to make it through your life. Today's Friday. We're going to give you some info on some of the new movies that will be released. Ratchet and Clank. Mm. Not just a bad, you know. It's one of my favorite video games. And I mean that truthfully. Again, I did not know that that was a video game. Yeah. Based on a video game, it's an animated feature. We'll be speaking with Rod Gustafson from ParentPreviews.com about, and he'll do a review of Ratchet and Clank and Mother's Day. Which is coming up soon, folks. You better be thinking about mom. Right. Get prepared. What would mom like? What do you do when your birthday's on Mother's Day? Mm. Mine and my birthday is on Mother's Day. Then you're the gift. And that is so true <laughs> to my mother. So what I like to do is I'll walk into her house. I'll wrap a bow around me, mm. and I just sit on her lap. Say, surprise. And pray we don't break a hip. <laughs> <laughs> Your birthday is on May 8th as well. Yes, it is. And what does Matthew mean? I've told um, you this 10 times. Gift from God. Oh. Born on Mother's Day, brought home on but Mother's Day. But sometimes a gift from God is like a trial. Like he's trying to help you learn. Hasn't that meaning been diluted over years? No. Mm. No. Nope. Haven't you done quite a bit of work to dilute that name and the meaning that is attached to it? No. Nope. Okay. <laughs> Still super gifty. Okay. Just asking questions, trying to get to get to the truth. And I was brought home on Mother's Day. 
Hmm. What a gift she had. Well, so Benjamin means on the right hand of God. Yeah, no, it does. Who comes up with these meanings? It's just Benjamin. What does Uh, Terry mean? Thor, God of Thunder. First half of Terry Cloth. (laughs) Just saying what the name means. I don't know. Thor, God of Thunder. (laughs) It's a whole different God system, apparently. Yep. Weird. So we'll be getting into that with Rod Gustafson. uh, And then, uh, of course, we're going to go visit our good buddies down at BYU Sports Nation. Man, have I got some important news for them Mm. about pizza boxes. Pizza boxes. Think about it. A pizza in a box made out of pizza. Brilliant. I think we've just hit peak pizza. I know. And I also feel like we're going to also talk to two of them about salad bars. There is a right way and a wrong way to go through a salad bar. We'll there's, be bringing that up as well. It's just good lessons. There's some etiquette. There's right. some etiquette. Yeah. Some people need some some lessons there. Or you're going to get punched. Apparently. <laughs> so we're, we're trying to help you here. There was an incident. There was an incident. We'll share. We just, it was a salad bar brawl. Croutons were spilled. Let's just say sesame <laughs> seeds everywhere. <laughs> Crazy. We'll get to that. But first, um, we've got to go to Jameson and uh, do the news. J- Jameson, what's going on? Thanks, Matt. So Snapchat is being sued over a teen girl's car crash. The Snapchat smartphone app has a filter that shows users how fast they are traveling. The Georgia teenager who was using the app and was responsible for the crash said she was just trying to get the car up to 100 miles per hour to post it on Snapchat. The 18-year-old kept on using the app after the crash, posting pictures of her injuries and saying she was lucky to be alive. Snapchat denied any responsibility, saying, We actively discourage our community from using the speed filter while driving, including by displaying a do not snap and drive warning message on the app itself. Eleven nuclear facility workers were checked for chemical vapor exposure in Hanford, Washington. These workers were transferring nuclear and chemical waste from a leaking double-walled tank into a safer storage. Of the 177 underground units at the facility, only 28 are double-walled. And this is the first known leak of a double-walled container, which were previously thought much safer. The latest estimate of the cleanup project is estimated at $107.7 billion, with an estimated end date of 2060. The United States will no longer subsidize the sale of eight F-16 fighter jets to Pakistan. Congress refused to approve funding for the deal. The vote means that if Pakistan wishes to buy the aircraft, they would have to pay $700 million, two and a half times the original quoted cost. The decision comes after some U.S. lawmakers accuse Pakistan of not doing enough to fight militants and terrorist organizations. However, Pakistan has argued that the jets are needed for anti-terrorist operations and should therefore receive the subsidy. And finally, under a new bill, women would be required to register for selective service or the military draft. The bill comes just months after the Defense Department lifted all gender-based restrictions on frontline combat roles. A divided armed services committee backed the provision in a sweeping defense policy bill that the full House will consider next month. And that is the news. Back to you, Matt. Thank you, Jameson. Well done. Um, you know, taking the money away from Pakistan. What are you going to do? I'm telling you, Congress is – they're on a rampage. Tightening the budget. Rampage. Hey, um, talk to me. Hmm. You, you know, you brought up some bad news. Bad news. Well, you, you, maybe good news. Depends how you look at it. Yeah. So you, you take walks yeah. across campus. Right. How long are these walks? It depends. You, you've mentioned before you go over to the, the field house I here walk, on campus. I walk to the other end of campus. Then I go around a track a couple times. 
That's where I found that guy that was passed out on the ground, mm. and then I rolled him over, and it was Ben. Right. Oh, that's right. Yeah. He was making the, the yeah. heaving noises because uh-huh. he was exercising. Right. With the, you know what? Funny thing about Ben, though? Little tiny gazelle legs. Hmm. Just little narrow little gazelle legs. You wouldn't think that. Uh-huh. And yeah. even <laughs> his knee even bends the wrong way. It bends backwards. Wow. Yeah. He, it's a gazelle. The story literally. changes every time you tell that's it. That's interesting. Oh, really? Why don't you go back to podcasts and look it up and see if the story yeah, changes? Like the, <laughs> so what's going on about my so, walk? It says, while you're off on your 45-minute jog, scientist at McCaster University in Hamilton, Ontario. So it's Canada. Okay. We can trust that. Okay. We're conducting a study about interval training, so, which is what athletes call very brief but extremely uh, draining bursts of exercise, such yeah. as a sprint. Right. According to the study findings... The extra 44 minutes of your jog might have been entirely unnecessary. What? 60 seconds of strenuous exercise is apparently just as successful at boosting health and fitness as 45 minutes of a lighter workout. Okay. Really? That's what they're saying. You can work out for a minute strenuously, like near death. Near death. And it negates the other 45 the rest of your workout. The other 45 So you, they're, they're saying they're giving you like a 45-minute example. Hmm. So you go on a 45-minute uh, walk. If you sprint for a minute, you're getting more benefit from that sprint than you are from the rest of the walk. Okay. Well, I don't believe that because uh, every year I have to – around Christmas, I, I, I have about an hour of strenu- strenuous workout. Okay. Eating? Yeah. No, uh, carrying boxes, Christmas okay. trees up and down to the point of but, like near I mean, cardiac don't, arrest. Don't discount Thanksgiving. You put some work in on Thanksgiving too. Yeah, that's true. So you're saying that that one day yeah. would negate 45 days of working out, 44 days of working out. A one to 44 ratio. If it, if it works a one to 44 minutes, one strenuous is just as important as 44 non-strenuous. Then, then, it's, then I guess I'm in a good health regimen. One day of working out, and then that's good for three no, months. No, they're not saying that is uh, what you're trying to say there. As it bummer. says, this is extremely good news for anyone who has trouble fitting in 45-minute workout into their day, but the bad news for anyone who is using the excuse of not having enough time to exercise to avoid putting on the running shoes. So you can go – if you just went and, and you did some sprinting, three sprints for three minutes – Wrap it up, You're get already, inside, go have lunch. So it says you have no excuse. That's because e- neither the lighter 45-minute workout nor the strenuous one-minute workout was superior to the other, aside from the fact that one was much shorter. So in hmm. other words, it's the same is yeah. what they're saying. Okay. So you can go on your 45-minute walk. I'll just do one minute of sprints and every, be done faster. Every trainer out there hates this research. Yes, they do. <laughs> They're like, are you kidding me? We've been pushing this up the hill mm-hmm. for 20 years, and now you're blowing it up with one study. But there's a lot to uh, be said for mixing up the workout. Yeah. So your body doesn't get used to things you, right. and also keeps you from getting bored. What I like to do, I like to run a mile, walk a mile, and then I like to do you just, skip? I don't skip because okay. that just it seems weird. So I like to do a little uh, mambo. To see. Oh, uh, oh, really? I do a little mambo for a mile. Okay. Zumba? I tried Zumba. Yeah. But it hurts. Okay. I do a little mambo, and that usually gets a lot of people's attention. <laughs> 
Do you keep saying Mambo number five as yeah. you do it? I, I've actually never done it long enough to get to number five. Oh, wow. Okay. On my CD set, I've only done Mambo one. Mambo one. Hmm, well. And then it took me years to figure out how to not make it repeat. Okay. So I bet if I just let it go, I could get to Mambo three. Yeah. There's goals. Yeah. You have a goal set right there. That's good. Yeah. That's See? Good. I mean, a lot of people don't, they, they just walk. Yeah. Not me. You're, you're trying to use the time effectively. I tried, by the way, mixing it up one time, walking mm. backwards. How did that go? Not great. Ran into people? Yeah. Okay. My neck was killing me the next day. Because <laughs> you got to look. So you're... You keep craning your neck yeah. back, yeah? It's pretty bad. Well, you, yeah, know, you live and learn, right? You live and you learn. Yeah. You live and you learn. Could you try skipping across campus? I could. Could you have someone record that for me? Yeah. It'd I'll look, have been to it. It'd be great. I'd love to see that aspect of your workout. Same time, same place? Yeah. <laughs> ben, oh, ben, he runs a lap and then he or runs so far and then he drops and he does push-ups, mm. except he actually is never doing push-ups. He just sort of lays on the he ground. He just lays there and he counts. The intention well, I, is push-ups. I lay there until somebody walks past to see me and then I start doing uh, push-ups. 34, 35, <laughs> 36. And so I always like to just sit there and watch. Mm. And then after usually two or three, he's like, 40, done. <laughs> That's horrible. Did you hear about this lady on the airplane? A mom had a new baby on an airplane, mm. gave birth on the plane. Okay. I thought they weren't supposed to go on a plane when they were pregnant at some point. I, I don't know. Like, yeah, like when they're, I don't know, starting to deliver. I would have to consult a, uh, a doctor. She was on board a Jetstar Asia Flight 35K583. From Singapore to Yangon. So let's say you have a six-pound, seven-ounce baby, and then you're thinking, hey, what am I going to name this baby? Well, guess what she named the baby? Jetstar. After the airline? Yeah. Saw Jetstar. Three names. Saw Jetstar. Eh. Come on. Southwest wouldn't be a good name for a kid. No. Delta? Right. No. JetBlue? (laughs) What's your What's your son's name? Jet. Well, Jet is Spencer Linton's son's name, but not Jet Blue. No, that's American Airlines. His yeah. name. Her name is United. Yeah, these names don't work well for United Four Fifteen Frontier. <laughs> no, no, okay. it doesn't work. I'm trying to remember all the. It's better I've to flown. just make up a name, like use the stewardess or flight attendant's name, or use the captain's name. Right. Like, what was the captain's name? You use that. There seems to be plenty of options for her to name a child, and she chose the uh, Jetstar. Did you hear about the Blue Man Group? What are they doing? I'd be so frustrated. With the Blue Man Group? Yeah, the Blue Man Group. Um, somebody stole their costumes. No way. Yeah, several outfits, air what? quotes, worn by the entertainers. But it was paint. No. Who okay. are no, they just they only They don't paint their whole body. They die. So um, – they're known for their blue skin, you know, their bald heads. Well, somebody went in in Wichita and snatched $1,000 worth of their outfits, their wardrobe. And they have a video or a picture of the guy carrying out, a, you know, a hamper, a, a box of their stuff. Hmm. So, you know, now they're really blue. You were just trying to set that up, right? Sad. Yeah, it was. It was a sad joke. Oh. Um. But they say it didn't dampen our enthusiasm. We will still go out there and bang drums and splatter paint. Will they do it in red? Are they a red man group? Green man group now? Or? Yeah. Well, now they're going to have to wear their street clothes. Oh, they're just a bunch of guys yep. 
No more just black with wow. blue faces. Now they're you know some one one of them's got gingham, and another's got a paisley shirt. Okay, and then one's just wearing a polo. Wow, it really kind of changes the whole yeah. aspect oh, of totally, the show. Totally different show. <laughs> the visually engaging. Um, we have to talk about it a little bit now. Oh, we got to go. <sighs> Salad bar. Yes. Well, I'm not going to bring it up. We'll bring it up with BYU Sports Nation. But be thinking about it out there. What rules are not tolerated around a salad bar? There's certain behaviors you cannot – you can't do things at a salad bar right. that this woman did. Sneeze guard, it's there for a reason. Yeah. Don't stick your head under. Yeah. And remember, other people are eating that food too. Yeah. Don't pick, don't pick through stuff. And violence is no answer. Violence, never an answer at a salad bar. Unless, you know, unless there's no other choice. We'll talk about it. The Salad Bar Brawl, folks, up next. Actually, first, we're going to get to uh, our good Rod Gustus and our friend at Parent Previews. We'll do that. Talk to our, our producers and then visit with our good buddies at BYU Sports Nation. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Tons of stuff left. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Joined today again by Rod and Donna Gustafson from ParentPreviews.com. They're going to be reviewing two movies for us today. Uh, remember, if you go to ParentPreviews.com, you'll be able to see these reviews. They'll post them, and they give you a lot of information about how to, to, to go about watching the movies, talking to your kids about the movies, and just information about what you what you need to watch out for and if these movies are even worth seeing. ParentPreviews.com is their site. Uh, Rod, Donna Gustafson, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Thank you, Matt. Good to be here. Great to have you guys. Now, two movies coming out, I guess, this weekend, uh, Ratchet and Clank and Mother's Day. And uh, you guys divided and conquered. So which one do you want to start with? Well, let's start. We can start off with Ratchet and Clank if you'd like. Yeah. No, actually, let's do Mother's Day. All right. Let's do Mother's Day. Donna. Let's do the let's do the chick flick first. Donna, take Mother's Day. Take it away. All right. So Mother's Day is a Gary Marshall film. I'm not sure if you're familiar with any of his work, but he likes to do these sort of big sentimental types of stories. Over and over. <laughs> <laughs> so he did New Year's Eve a few years ago and at Valentine's Day a few years ago, and now he's working on Mother's Day. So this is like going into your garden and picking a flower of each type and trying to make an arrangement out of it. He has picked a mother of, of every type that you can imagine. He's got a married mother, a divorced mother. He's got an unwed mother. He has um, a couple of gay mothers. He has lots of straight mothers. He has a racial mother. He has a bigoted mother. He even has, you know, um, just for good measure, a career woman who doesn't have children and a single dad. So it's kind of, we've got one of everything. Wow. That makes it a little hard to follow a storyline. So we follow each of these women in their different crises. And we're supposed to come out of this having, I think, a greater appreciation for motherhood. Strangely enough, the movie focuses more on the women's personal issues than it really does on their motherhood. Hmm. And overall, you know, it kind of looks like a mismatched arrangement. And I can't say that it smelt quite as sweet as the bouquet I think he was Ooh. hoping for. That's, that's sad. That's too bad. This, could, this has so much opportunity, it seems like. It does. And I think he's hoping that this will be a Mother's Day classic. Um, as a mother myself... 
we often feel like we fall short of the perfect mother anyhow. And Mother's Day is kind of a bittersweet um, celebration for us because, you know, we love our children. And yet when we go through that Mother's Day thing and we get those accolades, we often feel like we're not necessarily deserving. Or perhaps I'm just a pessimistic mother. I don't know. (laughs) But but I think that a lot of mothers struggle with that. This movie kind of takes more of that take where with the struggling side of motherhood rather than really looking at what it is that mothers give and what mothers do. And I wish it had had a bit more of that because then I think it would have had more heart. Yeah. And it has an incredible cast. Julia Roberts, Jennifer Aniston, Kate Hudson. Fun cast. All the usual Gary Marshall regulars. (laughs) Yes. He's worked with most of these women before and all of them with great talent. Um, But again, when you're trying to do a script that's this ambitious, it's pretty hard to really follow any of these women's stories through Hmm. with any depth. So you're really looking at the surface rather than the depth beneath. What uh, what grades did you give that one, Donna? I'm going to give it a B minus. It's got a smattering of sexual humor and jokes and things going on in it, too. It's not over the top sexually, but there's enough of that kind of crass humor that some parents aren't going to be very happy sharing that with their children. That's its biggest concern. Oh, plus a lot of beer drinking. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's stressful situations. <laughs> nothing, nothing says Mother's Day better than some beer. Uh, uh, wait a minute. I don't want to take too much time on this, but yeah. these look wine-drinking mothers, not beer-drinking mothers. Yeah. I haven't met Kate Hudson's mother, okay. the redneck, that's very upset okay. with her All marrying right. a colored man. Redneck so. mother. Interesting. Okay. Mother's Day. Uh, thank you, Donna. Appreciate that. Talk about Ratchet and Clank, uh, Rod. That's, I guess, an old video game. All right. There are very, very few movies I'll say this about. This game is appropriate for tweens and teens, but it's not or the game. I, I let that slip. This movie is appropriate for tweens and teens. However, it's not suitable for adults. <laughs> <laughs> I Sitting through this film, I was it, so they didn't give us a critic screening for it. So I was in a theater last night with, a, I don't know, maybe about 40 other people who were all much younger than me. And I laughed i think once they were laughing many times and i thought okay i am missing something here there are obviously jokes in this film that are in the video games that i just don't get so put simply matt if you haven't played the games don't waste your money on this movie because it's rather painful (laughs) i think if you are a fan of the game series this film may work for you uh now the ratchet and clank video games were an exclusive are an exclusive sony product for their sony playstation series and they are literally rebooting the entire series with a new game that has just come out and get this, I don't know if you know what video game cutscenes are. They're like little videos that happen during the game in between different gameplay sequences. Uh-huh. So all, pretty much all of this movie are cutscenes from this new video game. So, you know, if you've got more than a couple of kids wanting to go see the movie, just go buy the game. You'll get even more for your money. Yeah. Uh, and the movie is about as interesting as watching somebody play the game. Having Again, having said all of that, parents, not too much to worry about here. There is some mild video game violence. There's no profanity. There's no sex. There's no intelligence. <laughs> you know what? You could do worse. If the kids are big fans of this, and I talked to a couple of 20-somethings that were at the movie last night, too, and they used to play the game when they were kids, and they loved the movie. You know, this is really a fan movie, and you have to be part of this little of this little kind of a group in order to get it and enjoy yeah. it. So that's Ratchet and Clank. It'll be getting a B grade from me. B grade. And again, if they go to um, your website, they can read the they can read the reviews, but they can also just 
go through all of your other movies. You have so many that you've done with and so maybe it's time to go get a video, you know, or a DVD, download something and um Absolutely. And that go to would your site. Be your best bet. Yes. Well, we appreciate you guys for putting the work together so as parents we don't have to wonder everything. Donna, Rod, Gustafson, thanks for being with us today. You're Thank welcome. you, Matt. Have a great weekend. And uh, we're going to take a break, folks. When we come back, we'll be talking with a couple of our producers about Arbor Day. They're going to educate us on Arbor Day and uh, hopefully Ben. He thought it was Harbor Day. And he'll, we'll have them straighten him out on that. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Friends, to the Matt Townsend Show in studio. Two of our uh, producers, um, it's David Boyle is joining us. Uh, he's related to Susan Boyle from Britain's Got Talent. And also um, Kim Chi Danes, also known as Flappy Lip. Um, and we have a video of that that we'll be putting up on our Twitter feed. <laughs> no. Kaylee had a, a little dental work done the other day and they numbed her face. And it's the funniest thing you've ever seen watching her put chapstick on. It's a rough day. <laughs> so you don't want to miss that. Go to uh, at Dr. Matt show. Fun had by all. <laughs> David, is it true that you are related to Susan Boyle from Britain's Got Talent? Yeah. Aunt Susie and I, you know, we go way back. Aunt Susie. Yeah. She always sent the best gifts. Um, she's great. Yeah, she's great. She's great. She's seen, and it's, ever since she's, you know, gotten big, you probably mm-hmm. get better gifts. Yeah, uh, my uncle Danny Boyle, the director, he sends me yeah. stuff. He's trying to compete with Susan. You, you have a very talented family. I do. Quite it's, the pedigree. Yeah. Right. yeah, I don't know what happened to me. You know, um, Ben loves going onto YouTube and watching uh, <laughs> them, them uh, cut boils. Oh, yeah. Um, so anyway. It's that hurts. I was actually cut from the uh, basketball team. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, don't so. worry about it. It's all good. It's all good. You guys are going to talk about Arbor Day. Yes. Which surprised me because really? Arbor Day seems to be one of the holidays that is like least recognized. See, it's my second favorite holiday. Right after well Earth Day. Day. Yeah, uh, Earth well, Day. I'm petitioning for an Orca Day. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Well, we've been talking about whales all day today. You ought to go listen to the show. Oh, well, I don't listen to the show. I know, you don't. You, you ought to start because you're one of the producers. Okay. Um, what, what about Arbor Day? The, what do we need to know? Exactly. We thought we'd give you a little history of Arbor Day and okay. how different this countries around the world celebrate. Yeah. yeah. So I might need your help because well, there's a Spanish word here. in here. here to help. But, Spanish. Yeah. Okay. So the very first Arbor Day um, took place in the Spanish village, and you're going to have to say it for me, Matt. Okay. Um, let me see where. Uh, Mondon- Mondoñedo. There we go. Mondoñedo. Exactly. So that was the very first documented Arbor Day, um, and it was in 1594. But not – okay. So okay. So that was somewhere – That so Arbor Day is something for the entire earth. It's all the world's – all the world has Arbor Day. Yeah. Every country kind of celebrates it differently, different mm-hmm. days, and they might do different things. But that very first one was in 1594. I'm in that Spanish village, and it was organized by the mayor. And they all got together, and this big initiative, and they planted trees, and the area is still, like, lined with – lime and horse chestnut trees and See? it's beautiful that is beautiful now yeah. now contrast that to ben's favorite day which is harbor day <laughs> vastly different <laughs> totally different ben 
Arbor Day. Arbor. Arbor, yeah. All right, David, what what are you here to teach us? So I'm going to tell about the first American Arbor Day. Okay. Because the this show is where we really took it up a notch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we own Arbor Day. Okay. Lots of fireworks. Um, the first American Arbor Day <laughs> no. was originated in Nebraska, city Nebraska. Okay. On that April makes sense. In April uh, 1872. They need trees in Nebraska. They do. It's really flat. There's not a lot there yeah. in the tree department. Um, so now Arbor Day is celebrated on the last Friday of April in the U.S., which okay. that is today. Yeah, so that's why we're celebrating it today then. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it's the last Friday. Okay, mm-hmm. this is good. What else? What else is... Uh, so kind of the, I guess with, the tradition of Arbor Day here is people go out and they plant trees and they kind of just make the world more beautiful. I think you can kind of continue the theme of Earth Day and just appreciate the beauty around you. Why do you love Arbor Day so much personally? I... I love nature. I love Earth Day because yeah. it's all about the earth and the animals and the planet. And I think it's beautiful. And I grew up in Washington State, in eastern Washington, the most right. beautiful part. We're there. And I grew up in the middle of all the evergreen trees. And so, so you, you love trees. I love trees. I would love to live in a tree. I'd love to be a tree. What? Trees. Hold on. What? <laughs> I'd love to be a tree. Why would you want to be a tree? They're just they're tall and majestic and they know their purpose in life. Their purpose is to be a tree. What kind of tree would you be? That's a really good question. Um, I'm a huge fan of evergreen trees. I think I would have to choose. You want to be an evergreen. That or like one of those cool like Japanese cherry blossom trees because they're so pretty. Those are pretty and yeah. smell delicious. Yeah, I oh, want to be pretty and smell delicious. Have you delicious. ever had one of those on a salad? <laughs> An apple, blo- uh, uh, maple tree blossom? <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, David, what kind of tree would you want to be if you could be a tree? If I could be a tree, I would be a bonsai tree. Oh, that's a good Ooh. one. Wouldn't you be bugged by people's hands always all over you? No, I prefer that. <laughs> that's okay. why I got in radio. Okay. Well, no. Um, so you got in radio because then you get like a lot of high fives, a lot of hugs and stuff. It's <laughs> interesting. Where is um, Liz Miller? Liz Miller, your job is open. Yeah, Liz used to keep it a lot cleaner than that. I I think I'd want to be one of those trees that they give you after you get a car wash <laughs> and they hang it from the rearview mirror. Those I, I I'm against those. those. Environmentally, I don't find them to be appropriate. See, so you like some trees, but you don't like other trees. <laughs> I like real trees. That I is almost, a real tree. I almost brought you a present today, Matt. I almost brought you a little tree that you could go and plant with your family. Really? Yeah. Well, I almost bought. I almost brought you something. Really? What did you almost bring me? Uh, just this really expensive television. <laughs> Dang it. Don't you know? Yeah, I didn't do it, though. Okay. Did, yeah, well, you didn't do it either. Yeah, we both failed. <sighs> it's interesting that you are producers. Really? Just because you, you produce the segment. Yeah, so we're going to continue on. Oh, it's on. going somewhere. Okay. Oh, it is. Tell me where, where do we go now? Well, we thought we could tell you a little bit how each country celebrates around the world or... 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 We could talk about the whale... There's so much to talk about whales, but I don't want to like take away and distract from Arbor Day. Okay. Um, I know that you have a very interesting first encounter with a tree, and you know those experiences with trees that you wanted to share us with yeah. us. Um, I don't remember. You don't remember what my tree? Exp- oh, yeah, no. I used to climb trees. Okay. I had a 
Remember, you asked me that, and I had a really good story then. Yeah, I asked you, and right away you're like, yeah, I got this. I, got I have a story. story. This is going to be a great segment. You're going to be the producer of the year. Let me year. just say, next time you Awards might want to write were discussed. it um, I Okay, I grew up in Salt Lake City where we have snow. Oh, okay. So we have snow plows. And I have a tree that was run over by a snow plow when I was growing up. It was a tiny little just it was just like a little sapling. It was so cute. It was mm-hmm. just perfect little sapling tree and it got it was run over and it just kind of remained just a stump. Mm-hmm. But out of the stump, and this reminds me of you guys. Out of the stump, of stump. grew this mighty maple. But it didn't grow high. It kind of grew the foliage that would come at the top of the tree. It was a, it was a it was a trunkless tree, and that's why I, it reminded me of you, Kay. Um, it was a trunkless tree, just growing from the earth because you love earth. I do, and it grew. It literally grew into a blossoming maple, beautiful tree, without a trunk. I'm really trying to see these these parallels. And then I'd get the people would bring me home and they'd say, "Where do you live?" And I'm like, "Do you see that big tall bush?" And they'd be like, "Yeah. That's where I live." I have a big tall bush like that in my house. Is it a tree? In, in my apartment. It's a tree bush. Yeah, tree bush. Yeah. It's actually so my dad's first experience and my first experience with trees are similar. Actually, it's the same tree. So my dad grew up, um he played football in the yard across the street and he broke his collarbone running into this little sapling <laughs> fast forward 30 years and he bought the house there and yeah. uh that's the house they built my tree house or that's a tree oh. my, my tree house in see how symbolic that yeah, is and then he cut it down while and, we were at disneyland so, and interesting i used to throw the ball because i didn't have friends right. and my mm-hmm. sisters didn't want to play ball so i would i'd pretend like i was a quarterback and i would throw the ball into my neighbor's sapling tree uh-huh. until i destroyed it Oh, so good. So I, I actually so now you're destroying trees. No, see on Arbor Day. No, <laughs> I was a kid. I destroyed it for years, but um, but I like to celebrate the tree I destroyed <laughs> every Arbor Day. See memorial service. Yeah, me and trees. Oh, darn it! <laughs> that was a great Next story, time, kids. <laughs> uh, David and Kaylee, thanks so much for your tribute to Ar- Arbor Day. Yeah, and um, go plant trees, folks. Plant trees. Or at least look at some. Don't destroy. Good times. We'll take a break, come back, visit our good buddies at BYU Sports Nation, see how they celebrate Arbor Day. Now I've got a lot to teach them about salad bars and pizzas. Stick with us, folks. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. As we're wrapping up the week, we got to go down and uh, shoot it down to our good buddies at BYU Sports Nation. Their show will be at the top of the hour, so stick with us as we get through that. Uh, let's go see Spencer and Jerem. Hello, gentlemen. Are you down there? We've been trying to get a hold of them all day. I think they're in a bus traveling. We'll continue to figure out if there's any way to, to create that connection. Yo! There's somebody. Hello, Jerem. What are you doing, brother? I'm just hanging out. You yeah, guys I'm hanging? Here, I'm here, too. Oh, our Spencer made it, too. Oh, I've been here for, like, 
two yep. whole minutes. Two whole minutes. I flip the button and then we hear you. You were early. Yep. This, this is good. No, can, can you hear the music? Because I think I think you guys would like it. Yeah. Name the band. Foo? Foo Fighters. Foo Fighters. Thank goodness they're around, man. Foo you guys are foo. good. You guys know your foo. We do know some serious foo. <laughs> that just sounds weird. <laughs> hey, uh, Spencer and I were talking yesterday, Jerem. Yeah. And uh, apparently yeah. you're having some car problems. No, everything's cool, man. <laughs> you want to talk about it? <laughs> no. Just, just talk about it a little bit. Just like, uh, what's going on with the car? Just something. I'm driving it. It works. Everything's cool. Matt was Matt was pseudo or semi stalking us yesterday, and, and happened mm-hmm. to witness us. Followed you for about two miles. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought and the, we, I thought we had no. I thought you were going to stay on your side of uh, the second floor. And we <laughs> no, were going to stay no. on ours. Well, yeah, but we were <laughs> out we of the talk. building. Out of the building, it's free game. I can come find you anywhere. Jeremy, well, I told him fifty feet. Right? I told him that it was a car situation to save you from what the real truth is, mm-hmm. which is what. Oh come on! Do you really want to get into the plastic surgery? Yes, <laughs> I know. The I know. And that dermal abrasion thing—that was weird. The calf implants. There's, bro- there's broadcasting steroids. <laughs> yeah. to, they, they make your voice, you know, a little richer, a little deeper. Those, uh, by the way, those calf implants um, make you look like you're walking on your toes. They look fantastic, Listen, though, don't they? they need I'm going to wear up my old woman's sketchers if I want to, okay? <laughs> the ones that roll to build your backside up, strengthen your backside. Listen, walking one mile an hour out of the neighborhood, <laughs> that will help me. The best $7,000 that Jeremy has ever spent are in those golden calves. <laughs> oh, see what I did there? Golden, golden calves. calves. <laughs> you know what? Never worship a golden calf. Worship. Do not worship them. Moses comes down from the mountain. They're all getting implants in their calves. <laughs> That what was the real people? issue. They're all walking on their toes. What's going on with these people? They uh, love themselves some golden calves. This, hey. this Old Testament translation has been brought to you by <laughs> BYU Sports Nation. That is classic. We rewrite the scriptures so you understand them. Oh, boy. Hey, we have our own interpretation. I have, two, I have two food stories that I need your help with. Let's okay. do this. Number one, this is about etiquette at a salad bar, and I'd like you guys to give me your take. Uh, in Oklahoma— a woman kept using um, her bare hands to scoop lettuce from a salad bar bowl. Allegedly, um, at, she kept doing it, right? So this other lady saw her do it, turned her in. They changed out the salad. Then the this lady came back. Her name is Lindsay Williams, 29. She's been arrested since. Um, I hope she, so. She came back and did it again. And uh, Atabola Atoka was at the salad bar selecting food for her plate when she spotted Williams doing it again, and she just came unglued and ended up starting. They had a little fight, a little fight after the lettuce had— uh, A little fight. A little fight. They were fighting, and um, uh, Williams punched somebody. Whoa. Telling her, you can't do that. You can't do that. So, uh, you know, Williams started punching Atoka in the face and, you know— it blew, and then 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 a deputy got involved, and his glasses were knocked off. It was crazy, crazy mayhem. Here's the question: Is that the mob riding? The this bathroom? almost sounds like yeah. Mike Tyson punch out audio. Yeah. It, you know what? It kind of is. Yeah, it probably is actually. It's just generic crud, but it was close. So I, I want to know. I want to know what is acceptable at. Uh, 
at a salad bar. What is acceptable? Using the prongs that bacon, they provide. Bacon bits okay. are acceptable. Use bacon bits. No hands? No. What if you bring, disgusting. What if you bring your own gloves, Spencer? Disgusting. Where, nobody knows where those your gloves are. Your own salad bar gloves? What if I don't use my hands, but I just like use my sweatshirt? That's still weird okay. because your sweatshirt has touched things that could potentially yeah. have germs on it. No okay. manos. Here's one. Here's one that I need your help on. Ben brought this up because he got in trouble for this one the other day. What about if he sticks his head under the glass and sucks up cherry tomatoes? Because that's normal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he, was, he was reprimanded for doing that. Okay. No soup for you. So um, apparently no hands. No hands. Just use the utensils that they provide. That answer is right. <laughs> There's a reason that they are there. Totally right, too. Anything else? Salad is healthy. Oh. Hey, 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 hey. Okay, let's get to the next question. This is about Brooklyn pizza. Would you believe that you could buy in Brooklyn, New York, a pizza served in a box made of pizza. So you actually can order a pizza, and the box itself is another pizza with a pizza lid. I'll take yes for 300 Alex. It is You wouldn't so bring true. it up if it was no. Well, wouldn't I? No. Okay, you're exactly Ding. right. Thank you. How did you know that? Spencer does this all the time. He'll say, uh, you know, he'll propose an idea and say, you know, maybe or maybe not or may or may not. And I'm like, it's May. Why not would you always. bring it up if it was May now not? Now I purposely do it when it is May not. Well, now I'm helping you so that it's not so predictable. <laughs> hey, guys, guys, guys. You got to bring up rant. Yeah. yeah, Jerem. We're all friends here. You got Beavis? <laughs> you, don't need to, you don't need to hurt oh. each other. <laughs> You guys, hey, you're still doing your show thing today? I mean, it's Friday. Oh, big show. All big, the other shows we've done have been... Uh, little shows. Minuscule. Yeah, this, to this is one. a big nice show. Nice minuscule. I mean, this is a big one. <laughs> What's NFL going on? draft, day two. Bronson Kafusi expected to go today, so we'll remind you where we think he'll go today. Plus, this conversation. How many draft picks do you think BYU should have every year? There are seven rounds. We'll tell you the averages, the last 5, 10, 30, you know, what that number is. But how many should BYU have? Man, I'd say one, one around. One around? Yeah. Wow. So seven every year? Yep. I think you need to lower need your to, expectations. We need to finish now by yeah. about 85%. No, you need to watch. We're going to give you some numbers that, that may or may not shock you. This is incredible. Oh, we're going to give you some numbers that will help you readjust your expectations. Oh, come on. I also think we should have a championship every three years. You're a marriage counselor. You, of mm-hmm. all people, know that limiting expectations, <laughs> bringing them down from too high, brings a lot of happiness. I think you're exactly right. I think <laughs> we should have a championship every half century. Yeah. All right. Bingo. Nailed That's it. Excessive use of the ding, 15 yards. I'm wearing the ding out. Down. Darn it. What else is on the show? Quincy Lewis, men's basketball assistant coach. He was the head coach of, of the Lone Peak Three that Ooh, are yeah. now the BYU Three, and he is their, he's one of their coaches at BYU now. He's like stocking them. Something well, he like was that. The coach, he's raising so their stock. It's, you know, it's okay. Yeah. That's great. He, he's raising he raised them up, and now they are, in a way, helping raise <laughs> all four of them up at BYU. Yeah. Wow. So he'll, he'll be on the show. Yeah. Big day, though. Bronx great show. Should be drafted yeah. for the Cougars tonight. This is huge. Big show. You guys, I'm proud of you. 
Thank ba- you. Baseball got a big win last night, too. Oh, man. 11 2 over Hey, is it, freezing at, is it freezing at night during those games? It seems we were cold. inside last night. That was a that was a great call Spencer's by contract. our production crew. Okay, yeah. When uh, yeah, I've got a clause in my contract. If uh, a baseball game is sub, below 50, sub fifty degrees, <laughs> then you have to I be have inside. To be inside. You mean yeah. to protect to to protect the money maker? <laughs> protect the skin. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I get it. I've got the same clause, but mine's mine. If mine's below thirty below, then I have to be inside. Last year during women's conference, didn't you go? Yeah, I you did. were outside. Uh-huh. Yeah, what uh-huh. happened? You didn't make the cut this year. No, what I was just I, I I chose to just stay here. It has been bad weather. It's been bad weather, yeah. and um, there has been bad weather. Last time there was an incident with all these women, and it's I still haven't recovered from it. No. <laughs> I don't want to follow up on well, this. Well, I do. Yeah. I absolutely want to follow uh, up on If you go to my, my Facebook page, now. go to my Facebook page, Monday. you can just watch the video. <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy. And we, so now, we also had one involving uh, one of our students in an Iron Man, Iron Man mask. I remember. No, I remember. We're, you remember we're, that? Yeah, we're the ones that called the police. Oh, my gosh. We didn't, but our people did. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. You, what happened is your Iron Man person scared people, and then that created a frenzy. Then there was the brawl. Then that one lady lost her eye. Not a big deal. All on the Matt Townsend Show. Guys, go have fun. <laughs> I don't know how we follow that up. You can't. We until, have so much to discuss. In five no minutes, in five, yeah. minutes no you, in five minutes, you can do anything you want. <laughs> we'll set you up, guys. Have a great show. Knock them dead. Thank you. Bye-bye. Nobody's got better vibrato, folks. Nobody. <laughs> Jerem Jordan bringing down the show with a vibrato. Fantastic. Hey, uh, they've got a great show, folks. It's only like five minutes away. You can hang on, right? As we wrap it up, that vibrato is unbelievable. Do you know how, many, how long he works on that? Incredible. Um, the winner of the rubber duck race, listen to this, at Harvard, Massachusetts. Oh, excuse me. A Rotary Club in a small Massachusetts town is gearing up for its annual rubber ducky race in which the winner's prize is a free dinner for two anywhere in the world. How cool is that? Boston Globe reports that the winner of Harvard's Ducky Wucky River Race will receive a free airfare, two-night stay at a hotel, and a fancy dinner anywhere you want to go in the world. The Air Rotary Club will kick off the festivities on May 7th when a construction vehicle will dump thousands of uh, numbered ducks into the Nashua River to float downstream. Last year's champion dined in Venice, Italy. Rotary member Jason Cowpey uh, says past winners have traveled as far as Paris, Tokyo, and Australia. That is a cool prize. So you just get a – if your rubber ducky somehow manages to work its way to the front of the pack – so you got to choose an aggressive number. Uh, and then, then if your duck wins, booyah, you get to go anywhere you want to go in the world. For what dinner. number would you choose? I'm not going to tell you. What? Because you'll steal it. No. No, I've already no. – I have better judgment. I'm not going to tell you. But it is – I'll give you a range. Okay. It's between 33 and 35. Okay. Do they have decimals? No. Okay. No. I think, I think I got it. What do you think it is? 34. Oh, dang it. Nope. Not going to tell you. 
It is 34. Oh, okay. Good. It's totally 34. I was just pulling your leg. It's 34. Hey, uh, today's a hero of the day. As you know, we like to wrap it up with a hero story. Today's hero, a Chicago chef and a tattoo artist team up to apprehend a thief. A chef and a tattoo artist in Chicago took the law into their own hands as they worked together to chase down a car burglar. Executive chef Canella of Canella Breakfast Club, Don Penza, 26, first spotted the would-be burglar skulking around cars behind his Wicker Park restaurant. I know uh, what was about to happen and had an idea of what he was doing, he told uh, WGN. So I just kept an eye on him, and he walked around and went onto one of the employees' cars, and he started going through that car, Penza said. He said eventually they, uh, he confronted the burglar and pursued him as he fled on a nearby street and was eventually able to pin him down. Brian Dickey, 35, a manager of Metamorph Tattoo, noticed the struggle and offered to use a pair of handcuffs from his night job as a bouncer to help subdue the suspect until authorities arrived. He said, I'm licensed with the state to carry handcuffs. I had them in the shop. Uh, you know, they were in my coat then from the night before. And I just went across, across the street, put them on him. So the, the duo of Penza and Dickey not only apprehended this guy, but they cuffed him and uh, bagged him, basically, and waited for the police to arrive. I don't appreciate people taking stuff, Penza said. It's hard in this day and age to stand up for what's right. You can't let fear take over what's right and wrong. No one wants to get hurt, but they know we are. Uh, but when they know that we're fearful, they will take advantage of us and prey on us. So, Chicago chef and tattoo artist. Watch out, folks. They're the heroes of the day on the Matt Townsend Show. Thanks for joining us. Uh, it's been a great week being with you. We'll be back next week. More fun, more ideas from 9 to noon Eastern time to help you see the good in the world. Folks, don't ever get discouraged. Let's uh, let's remember, we've got each other. We've got, we've got what we need to make this work. Look for the good, and let's take care of each other. Until Monday, make it a great one.